0: Well, there you go. That was it yesterday afternoon. the Philadelphia Phillies beat the Atlanta Braves. Zach Wheeler really steps up. Ten strikeouts. You just heard it. Thank you, Scott Franski. innings, and the Phillies win two to one. Second straight one. I'm Glenn Mac now joined by my pal Jody McDonald. How are you, Jody Mac?
1: Mac, man, my Memorial Day weekend is going to be spent working, but it's good just the same. Thank yeah. you for asking.
0: Yeah, me too. Actually, you probably have. This is my last shift. You probably have a whole bunch more on media all over the place, right?
1: One one today, two tomorrow, yes. Thank you, you very go. much. Hey, you know what? It's all about, it's all about <laughs> earning money, Jody. Exactly right. I And you know this because you and I worked uh, years together. Uh, a lot of times I think you would end up working the holiday because uh, one or two of us would take off. Uh, it, it, uh, you would get the holidays off because I'd always like to work holidays. Because you're talking to a different group of people than you usually talk to. Agreed. And you might be able to win over some people. Oh, that shows pretty good. I got to get back to that. And, oh, by the way, I like deciding when I'm going to be off rather than the government or whoever else decides when holidays come down. Uh, So I used to work holidays all the time. So this is no difference to me. Plus, the good part back in the day when you
0: and I worked together about working those days is that our boss, Tom Bigby, was never in the office. Yes, out of so, the
1: office. Get the big boss out of you, the office. You never had those
0: big feet stomping down the hallway to tell you, get that collar off the air. You just did whatever the hell you wanted. It was anyway like
1: having an off day while working and getting it paid. It's a beautiful it thing. Absolutely.
0: Anyway, so the Phil's win yesterday. Wheeler really just was great. Um Three hits, twelve strikeouts, season high. Didn't allow walk until the seventh inning. Moved the fastball all over the place, which is beautiful to see. And Jody, they need that because they, after losing with Aronola on Thursday, they got the win Friday. I think it was six to four with Taiwan Walker. Maybe today they take the series three games to one if somehow somehow Jody can Dylan Covey and a and a bullpen cast a thousands out duel Spencer Strider.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a little optimistic (laughs) about Covey today because he did pitch as well as he did, gave up a run right away, and then basically shut it down thereafter. He was pretty darn impressive in his first ever Philly start. Yeah, Spencer Strider is scary. And I I remember, I am not my father's son when it comes to scouting. I think I'm pretty good, but he was outrageously good. But he pitched early last season against the Phillies, and he hadn't had, he had meteorically gone through the Braves system, had come quickly through their system, quick stops at four different spots. I'd never even heard of the kid, start of the season. And he came in, I think it was out of the pen. I think it was a game in which the Phillies hit the Braves starter really hard. And this is late April. And he came in and just blew them away for five innings. I said, who is this guy? So I started to track him thereafter, and he's been a dominant starter ever since. And I remember coming here on the air on WIP. I said, I don't know if it's Spencer Strider guy, but yikes. He looked good for the, the Braves, and he's been that good ever since. So it's not so much that I don't have confidence in the Phillies. Instead, I'm giving props to the opposition, and I think you have to do that every once in a while. Spencer Strider is one of the best arms in all of Major League Baseball. He's really good. Uh, although
0: I believe the Phillies did well against him in the postseason. But we'll see. We'll see what happens today. Um, so I, I did uh, this a little bit yesterday with Mike Sealski and I heard you Friday. You, did, By the way, you were great on the morning show. I really enjoyed listening to you on the morning show with Joe DeCamera. I know you guys go a long way back. And yes. that chemistry That chemistry really showed. Um But we are kind of at the point Memorial Day weekend is always that time of year where you kind of take stock of your team. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have now won the last two against the Braves, which is nice to see. They are 25 and 27. The math is easy. It's 110 games to go. We're a third of the way into the season. How are we feeling? Uh, The math says, you know, they can do it. They're not out of it. But they've been extremely inconsistent this year. A lot of guys you're counting on have played very poorly. How are we feeling right now, Jody? What's what's your pulse?
1: If you you did say you heard uh, DeCamera and I on Friday from down at the Borgata, which I met Joe DeCamera's girlfriend. She is actual. She, she exists. Is alive. She is a real person. <laughs> she looked to me like she just went to prom last week, but uh, Joe assures me she's oh, you a young one. Is she? <laughs> She's right. a very attractive young lady and seemed like a doll too. I only got a chance to talk to her for ah. a couple of seconds, but I can uh, absolutely confirm that Joe DeCamera has a live, breathing girlfriend. Uh, we uh, we went it's back and poor forth. Poor vision, I'm guessing. Yeah, she, yeah, I didn't. She did, if she was wearing contacts, I didn't notice. Yeah. Um, no glasses. Uh, Joe and I went back and forth on the Phillies for four hours, and it was. He said the first day that he has resolved himself to the fact there's a good chance the Phillies aren't going to make the playoffs. He had never gotten that far before after the disappointing loss on Thursday night. um, He said, I'm now believing more that the Phillies won't make the playoffs than they will make the playoffs, and I wasn't there. I just was not as down. I wasn't taking one bad loss. After the, And I understood his logic with the come-from-behind win on Wednesday and the big Turner hit, maybe the biggest of his Phillies career, as short as that is, uh, and then getting it done in the 10th inning. I get it. You want to build on that. You want to build up some momentum. Well, they didn't, and that was enough for Joe to uh, get pretty depressed about him. I was not there. I'm not there now after they've won two games in a row in Atlanta. Even if they lose tonight, split the four games is not the worst thing in the world. This is going to be... Glenn, how many games do the Phillies have left?
0: 110.
1: 110. I'm not calling anything with 110 games to go. I'm not guaranteeing they're going to win anything. I'm not guaranteeing they're going to lose anything. I I feel a little bit less confident than I did when the season started. I didn't think they'd be below 500 at this time. I didn't think they were going to be 40 and 10 either after 50 games. So... I'm, I'm a little uh, off where I thought they would be. We could uh, break down individual players, who some of which who are better than we thought. No, together too many of them who haven't achieved yet what we want them to. I'm okay with the Phillies. I'm not depressed. I'm not disappointed. I'm not suicidal. I'm not uh, screaming from the rooftops right. either. Save your uh, World Series money again this yeah, year because yeah. Red October is coming back to Philly. But I'm all right. All right. So here, I'm going to put
0: it to you this way. Uh, And you and I have done this many times over the years because, yes, the chance is uh, well above zero and well below 100. So (laughs) on a scale of one to 100, Jody, with 100 being metaphysical certitude, what would you say today? uh, What is today, May the 28th, 2023, are the chances of the Phillies making the playoffs?
1: You want me to give you a percentage?
0: Yeah, I want somewhere between zero and 100.
1: Zero and a 100. I'll come in at about fifty-two, fifty-three percent. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm north of fifty. Yeah, I'm well. not a hell of a lot north of fifty, but I am north of fifty percent that the Phillies are going to make the playoffs. Fifty-two, fifty-three percent, I would say.
0: So I said yesterday I was at forty. I am now at forty-one.
1: That's I all know. you're giving is Wheeler one percent off a an eight inning no run three hit ten strikeout uh, you know performance.
0: You're right. You've swayed me. I'm 42. All
1: right. Yeah, we're moving you up, <laughs> Mac man.
0: I'm at 42, which is I'm still below 50 50 because I see I need to see something sustained. And and you said let's go through some of it, okay? Maybe Wheeler's turning it around, uh, and that was it was great performance. I need yep. to see. I don't expect that every time, but three or four solid ones in a row. Nola really worries me this year. He just seems so unreliable. I turn on a game, and he's breezing, and then, you know, I go to to get myself – cup of coffee and well not at night. Go Stop to it! You're a getting a beer. A what what beer, beer are you getting Mac? Now you're going to the fridge. You get a beer. Which beer? beer yeah, is yeah. It? it might be a Conchacan Brewing Company beer, but it That's could be something else. Might be a nice two sp or Yards. I I listen. I okay. get around. Yeah, just, uh okay. And by the time I get back and crack that open, he's given up two runs. He's getting torched. Is Ranger going to get it together? I hope so. Um, you know his history. I like his history. Taiwan Walker pitched okay the other night. Is he going to pitch to his four-year, $70 million contract, that that all, and by the way, there is not a fifth starter to even speak of. That's my
1: number one concern. Do you feel better about that than I do? The way you laid it out, I would say, again, uh, 52 compared to 42, slightly better than you. I'm not going to uh, sugarcoat it and go, this is it. Well, you see that performance by Will, and this is what he's going to throw every single game from now to the end of the year. I don't know that. I believe that Aaron Nola will pick it up. Here's my take on Aaron Nola, and it was pretty much Nola and Wheeler, and it's a really good sign that if they can align themselves as the co-aces, that it would be nice if it kicked in in uh, Nola's next start the way it did for Wheeler yesterday. I think they weren't ready for the season. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. mean that in the sense that I don't think they put enough work in in spring training. I think the Phillies were very uh, attuned to the fact that, that they pitched an extra month of the season, they threw a bunch of extra innings in the postseason, and they went kid glove treatment on them in spring. And I don't know that they had done what they needed to do to be ready for the season, and I think they're paying a price for it. Now, at some point, they're going to catch up, or at least you so hope. Uh, But they'll get into their built-up routine. It'll be a little later in the season than it usually is, but when they reach that level, can we expect the ace-like efforts that we've gotten from them over the years? I'm sure as hell hoping so. I'm hoping it was a uh, show-off point for Wheeler yesterday and that Nola's not far behind.
0: Okay, I hope that's right. Um, Trey Turner has been discussed a lot. Maybe he's turning it around. RBI double was nice yesterday. I still looked it up, though. He's hitting two fifteen in his last 15 games. His defense is, is not great. Uh, he isn't running. He's not hitting for power. He's got just 14 walks so far. He's just six stolen bases. I, I do buy into the it's tough for free agents sometimes when they make the big move. And by the way, I was looking at this the other day. Most you know it was the big offseason the free agent shortstops. They're pretty much other than Dansby Swanson. Them. Yeah, Korea's not doing well. He got hurt now. Uh, Bogarts is having a bad year. But nonetheless. Turner's our guy, and he's not having a good year. Do you see signs of him
1: becoming Trey Turner? You're going down the misery loves company when looking at the other yeah. short stops side during this. Yeah, because I because I liked them contract. all, so I
0: just I noticed that Correa was having a bad year, so I looked up Bogarts and Swanson's fine. The other guys, yeah, so he's
1: much. he's he's the best of the lot. Bogarts is not terrible; he's in the two fifties, uh, but. Uh, Not as much power as I thought he was going to hit, but San Diego's a a tough home run park. Um, No, I haven't seen it yet, Glenn. The back of his baseball card says, all right, this should kick in any minute now. It hasn't, and I'm not going to project or predict, all right, this is the week, this is the day, this is the month. When I see it, I'll believe it. And then I'm I'm hoping that it's the start of a run and he solves something or figures something out and it gets better uh, thereafter because of that. No, I see, I don't know him well enough. I've watched him from afar like every other Philly fan, and we know that he's a good player. We've seen him in games against the Phillies. We can go to the uh, website and check what his numbers are month to month and against right hand and pitch everything else. You can look it up, and it looks real good on paper, and that's why the Phillies laid out as much money in as many years as they did. They've got scouts that actually are there every single day. You and I aren't. I need to see it with my own two eyes, watching a guy play day in and day out every single day for my team to say, all right, I I can see something. I know this is about to click in. He's just missing that. Oh, my God, this is a big problem. I can't say that about Turner because I don't know him well enough. That's a good point, but I agree with you that while, you know,
0: that double was nice yesterday, I don't see – I'm still enough consistency. I still see some bad at bats. I see still see some uncertainty in the field. I'm not ready to to believe it. There are a lot of other issues. We'll go over it. Kyle Schwarber snapped down to 166,
1: and uh, and you want to know something, Glenn? Yeah, he's still a legitimate candidate to move up in the lineup because he does get his walks. You mentioned Turner and his lack of walks. Oh, by the way, guys having a real good year, except for one kind of stands out category is Stott, who almost never yeah. gets a walk. They, they, they're top two guys. If Stott and Turner are your one, two at the top of the lineup, their on base percentage is woefully low. Woefully. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why the manager stuck with Schwarber as long as he did all last year and Hoskins in number two, because those guys at least did get walks.
0: Yeah, well. Walks are nice, but if you're hitting 166, you can you can get a walk every third at bat. You're still not, not doing enough for your team. We'll get into it deeper. Let me grab a call here, and then we have a fun theme that we're going to introduce for the day we think you'll have a good time with. Uh, 215-592-9494. Jake in Haynesport, Jersey, starts us. Good morning, Jake. Hey, Jake, are you there? Going? Hey, Jake. Have...
2: Um, happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, just want to bring something up. Uh, when does the blame for the Philly struggle so far this year start to shift to Rob Thompson? Because, you know, he he likes to start Guthrie over Marsh, and Marsh is playing great this year. You know, there's really no basis to start a guy like Guthrie over Marsh, no matter who's it against. You know, he doesn't really get ejected. I mean, in Philly, that matters. Like, no, it He doesn't really show any fire.
0: No, it, do- no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. You know, what I mean, you, these days, you need a man who are you looking for Lou
2: Pinella? Those well, days you are know, gone. Somebody's got to light a fire under this team because, I mean, we are way below expectations. Yeah, he doesn't really steal any I, bases.
0: Yeah. Well, go ahead. You can finish not really up. getting
2: the best out of of, of, a, of a good lineup. Like, you know, he has a lot better lineup than Travordy did last year and similar results.
0: Yeah, I'm not ready to fire the manager. I think the manager certainly is can get some criticism, and, and you just brought some. I think he's made some – He's made some uh, decisions along the way that I've disagreed with. If you want to go that far, I'll go with you. Um, I don't need him to get thrown out of games. I think that that left baseball 20 years ago. Yep. Uh, But, you know, you're not looking to get him fired.
1: You're just looking – you think he's up up for criticism.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: Jody, what do you think? Fair critique. Um, I guess the only defense I would give of Topper would be The starting rotation is a starting rotation. We started today, Glenn. You went right to the starting rotation. As great as Nola's effort was, yeah, what's the deal with Nola? Uh, And when is Ranger going to give us what we need out of Ranger? And who the hell is the fifth starter? He's got to throw somebody out there every five days. So, uh, and that is, uh, for me, I'm the general manager, who didn't have enough starting pitching depth before the season started. I think the Phillies have underachieved at this point below 500. I think the manager can share the uh, blame for underachieving with the general manager at about a 50-50 clip. Okay. Going to throw
0: something else in here. Um, and we'll talk about everything else as the show goes on. we got a couple of good guests. Dave Zangaro is going to join us at 11 to talk uh, Eagles offseason. It's the slow time, but it's never really the slow time in football. Noon, we'll talk to you uh, Inquirer baseball writer Scott Lauber. Um And we'll get Sixers' conversation in as well as that uh, shocker last night in Boston as well as some other things – I'm sorry, in Miami as well as uh, some other things that we will get to. But I wanted to bring this up, Jody, and um, I feel like you and I did this show back in the day, but you say you don't remember it, so that's fine. I want to throw out one of the old chestnut topics, which is if you could change any rule in sports, what would you change? Uh, And we'll give a prize today for the best – I'll run that out in a little bit. I'll tell you what it's going to be. But if you were the czar of all sports, what rule would you change? I'll tell you what made me think to bring this up, Jody Mack. You saw this week the NFL decided to change the kickoff rule. Mm -hmm. So as I understand it, basically it expands the touchback on kickoff. So even if you catch a kickoff on the 10-yard line, you can call for a fair catch and get on the twenty-five. Uh, You remember the Eagles game last year? I think it was the the Packers game. I could be wrong. Where the Packers kicker just skied the kickoff, so they came down around the two. And the return guy, which was either Covey or Quez, it wasn't Boston Scott, couldn't get it out past a gang of defenders at the 15. It was great coverage by the opposition, right? So now they have changed the rule so that the the return guy can call a fair catch, like on a punt, Yep. If he sees that herd coming down and they just move the ball to the 25-yard line.
1: You like that? Well, no. Um, the kickoff is an exciting play. I I think that uh, because we've gotten such good kickers that they've moved it back and moved it back and moved it back, guys could still get it six yard deep in the end zone, which is going to have the, uh, the effect of cutting down on kickoffs anyway. But I always loved the kickoff return. And my problem with this one, Mac, is it's just so hypocritical because they tie it to we're doing it because it uh, makes our game safer, that there are X amount of injuries, more injuries and concussions suffered on kickoffs as compared to uh, plays from the lines. Where is this research? I'd like to see it. And who's doing it? Who can put a percentage on it that proves that there are more injuries and concussions on kickoffs? It's Kind of makes sense because the speed of the play—you got more players going at a higher speed than you do on a regular play from scrimmage, where you got offensive and defensive linemen in the trenches that just aren't moving that fast. Now they're that big, they're that that strong—they can cause injuries. They just—the speed of it is not the same as a kickoff. But I'd really like to know these percentages. I think the NFL just makes them up to defend themselves when they make these rule-changing decisions. So they're all concerned about the safety of their players. Except they're adding Thursday games. Except they're adding a 17th game. So when it puts billions in their pockets, then concern of injury to their players goes right out the window. But if it doesn't have any monetary effect, oh, let's change the game around to make it more safe. And there's even a reason for that. They're trying to make it more safe because they're afraid there are going to be too many concussions and they're going to get sued and they're going to lose millions, if not billions of dollars. So... I think it's kind of disingenuous. that uh, I, I will miss the excitement of the kickoff return. There will be less, and the fact that they're changing it and trying to hang their hat on, this is for the good of the player's health. Please stop. I agree with you 100%,
0: and I don't like it. Everything you said I agree with, and I don't like it. I, you're just taking more plays out of the game. Uh, they predicted that it will drop kickoffs down from 38% of kickoff returns, from 38% to 31% of kickoffs. Uh, I agree with Travis and Jason Kelsey, who discussed it on their great podcast. Travis said, I think this is extremely stupid. I don't think this is making the game safe. This is whack, to which Jason said, what are we doing it for then? We're just going to do everything for show. Here's the ceremonial kickoff that's never going to be returned ever. And I think they're right. I think it's a bad rule change. However, Jody, on the contrary, rule changes can be for good. And Major League Baseball made huge changes this year. And I think we agree the game is better. Players are stealing more bases. That's good for many reasons, one of which is I'm going to win dinner off of you. More balls are falling for hits. Games are 30 minutes faster than they were. The rules in baseball, the rule changes are accomplishing the goal. Agreed?
1: Well, except for one. I thought Kyle Schwarber's average was going to go up by about thirty or forty. <laughs> the shift, what well, the, no the shift, and the he's shift. going backwards. Which is what him the because, hell?
0: Because because uh, left-handed hitters are up six points this year, and fielding Last is Last time I inside. checked, Kyle
1: Schwarber's a left-handed hitter. Yeah, well, why isn't he, it working for him? I don't
0: know. So that's it's a good point. <laughs> and he's a guy that we did think would be helpful Absolutely, by. I believe that. And I said this yesterday. I said, "If I wish Ryan Howard was – I wish that they did this when Ryan Howard was in the league. I agree. Nonetheless. Uh, okay, so here's the theme. Uh, and I guess we'll take the break, and then I'll get yours, and I'll give you mine, and we'll get the callers. You can make any – you can change any rule in sports. You are the czar of sports. You can change any rule you want, one rule, one sport major sport minor sport golf tennis baseball football whatever the best one today well we'll give you again I'll give you the prize coming up but we'll give a prize for it and I want you to be creative and have a good time with it I'll I'll give you mine when we get back I'll get yours our producer Dan Wilson is itching with one as well again we're going to get into everything I guess at some point, Jody, we have to do the. Would you bring James Harden back? Right? That's yeah. is that, that's required uh, in every man- show. Mandatory every single show here. Yeah, okay, tell you, I mean. yeah, uh, fine. You know what? We'll try to bury that at some point later. But we'll we'll get into that. You got to. Uh, by the way, don't give me the answer. But
1: do you have a, a candidate for Sixers? Tokes? I've got a couple that I've got uh, debating between, and okay. I'll take the break and I'll think about it.
0: Uh, uh, we'll we'll get that later too. We'll work on all that stuff as well. But we're going to talk about the rule change. We started with the Phillies. We want to hear from you. Two one five. Five nine two ninety four ninety four With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack. Now, Mack and Mack on a Sunday on 94 WIP.
1: Today's Mack and Mack is sponsored by the good folks at Bet Parks, Bet Pro Hoops Playoffs, and the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly sports fan. Must be 21 and in Pennsylvania or New Jersey gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler.
0: Jody McDonald, Glenn MacNeil, I'll get to the phones in a moment. But uh, let, let's uh, each uh, throw out our rule change thing here first. Um, what would you do, Jody? You're, you're the czar. By the way, if I was naming a czar of all sports, I, I'd probably put you at the top of my candidates.
1: Not a bad candidate, you're telling me?
0: Yeah, I think you'd be pretty good. You're a sensible guy. What would you, what rule would you change?
1: Uh, thank you very much for saying that, number one. And number two, I'll prove you right because as uh, you sent the email and here's what I'm talking, to, I said "Oh, that's right. Uh, that that should be good." Glenn and I said, "He said we did this 25 years ago." Okay, I don't remember it, but uh, I'll take your word for it. Um, I gave it some thought and I said, number one, the number one thought has to be for everyone. The second thought has to be for me. Uh, you, you have to take your own. Because everybody looks it through their own prism of how you see things, how you'd like to see things develop and go forward and the like. But I want a balance between what's good for absolutely everybody and what's good for Jody McDonald. And here's the, the thing that I think shows that pretty well. For national sport, sporting events that are taking place, I want everything based on central time zone. We are on the East Coast. I've been an East Coast guy my whole life. You've never lived in another time zone, have you?
0: Um. No, I lived in Florida, Michigan, Boston, Buffalo, Philadelphia, so all East Coast that, time That's zones.
1: all East Coast. Sides. Same yeah. thing. I'm a New yeah. York, New Jersey guy. Never lived uh, any, anywhere outside of the Eastern time zone. But these 10 o'clock-plus late-starting West Coast games that are major national games that are being played on the West Coast, I, it just is wrong. And I think it affects – you always have to remember your – um, next generation of fans and kids watching games and able to stay up and see them. And I think that the overall, t- and TV drives the bus on absolutely everything, and they want to get everyone involved. So I think time zones are based uh, improperly. I'm not saying it has to be all East Coast and screw the West Coast, but I'm coming down in the Central. And I think the latest a game should start with national implications is 7.30 Central time which would have been perfect last night's NBA game started at 8.30. 830 they actually yeah. played to it. But there have been a bunch of West Coast games that have started later for me. Now, I, I'm up anyway. I'm on the air till 2 o'clock in the morning half of the time. So it doesn't really uh, affect me much. But for I'm always worried about the kids and the next generation, and I think it's had a bad effect on baseball. So that would be my number one sports sport czar, and I'm combining all sports in one. If I'm going to be the czar, I might as well be the czar of them all. No starting time later than 8.30 Eastern. We look at it, everything through our prism of Eastern time. 8.30 should be the latest any major sporting event. If you can control the start time, it's not a weather thing. It's not a golf's got to be played under the sun, blah, blah, blah. It's a night game. The latest it should ever start is 8.30 uh, p.m. I, Eastern, I love that. I,
0: I, 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 there are a lot of complications, but I love that. I love your thinking. Uh, I'll get mine in a minute because I do want to get some calls in, but I'll tell you that the winner today gets – a pair of tickets to the charity event I got upcoming June 8th, Puddler's Kitchen and Tap cool. in, in uh, Bridgeport, 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, by the way, one of the uh, – there's going to be some charity items. One you can bid on is a night of drinking beers with Jody McDonald and me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is the release party for Fransky and L.A., Bedlam at the Bank, Golden Ale. The money for this all goes to the Philadelphia Youth Sports Collaborative, which is a great charity. I know it was a favorite charity of David Montgomery, we used to run the Phillies. The event's open to the public. You can come that night. You don't have to make advance reservations. Uh, but it's 20 bucks to get in. That gets you the buffet. Uh, so you get a pair of tickets today. It's going to include a book signing. Mike Sielski, Todd Zlecki is going to be there. Auction items. You know we got Ray Dinger's Super Bowl notes and the yellow legal pads. How cool is that? Very nice. Uh, silent auctions, some jerseys. Bernie yes. Perron's going to be there Auction the jersey off his back. And affordable stuff, too. So you don't have to come and think you got to bring out a huge checkbook. Um, Bring some good conversation. Again, you don't need to comment on the Phils or the Sixers or whatever, but bring some good conversation, and the best one will get that prize. I'll give you mine coming up. Let's check in. uh, This is a pal of mine, a really sharp uh, stats guy, good guy. Ryan Spader joins us. Hey, what's going on, Ryan? What's going on, my friend? We're good. Um, So a couple things I wanted to comment on.
3: I appreciate both of your optimism because uh, the numbers say that the Phillies' chance of making the playoffs is 23.8%, which is not nearly 40 or 41 or 42%, or even
1: 52. Or 52, or like the, me. Uh, I'm well above analysis. the analytics. I'm okay with that. I'm all right. I, I don't mind flying in the face of the analytics.
3: But um, so it, one one key thing I want to call in on uh, for just this, particular weekend Memorial Day week- weekend Glenn as you know you, I mean you've been a mentor for me for years now um it, uh, I served five years in the Marine Corps and um the lone Marine who uh, uh actually had Major League Baseball experience um and gave his life during World War II um he was a teacher at Beverly Hills Middle School as well is uh, buried in Arlington Cemetery in Drexel Hill and um you know, whenever I get a shot, and I'll tag you on a tweet so that you mm-hmm. can see it. Whenever I get a shot uh, to come back home, I always go up and clean off his headstone. But if, if anybody's was around he, um, Harry O'Neill. Harry O'Neill. Yeah. I appreciate uh, you
0: sharing that. Yeah, I
3: I just think it's, it's amazing, you know, somebody from our. And then there was a second. Um, he was in the uh, United States uh, Army Air Force at the time, um, Elmer Gideon uh you, you know, we're not going to hold the fact that he was in the Air Force instead of the Marine Corps so that's oh. against him. <laughs> right. But um, it's just, you know, we, we have some excellent history uh, and excellent sacrifices right in front of us right here in uh, Drexel Hill, Delaware County.
0: We do. And um, without getting too deep into it, I will say that Memorial Day is always a great holiday in terms of it's the kickoff of the summer and people start go to the shore and it's, you know, you you break out the barbecue grills and that is all great. Uh, And I'm part of all that. But we also should always remember what the uh, what the holiday is about, what is dedicated to, which is those service people who lost their lives uh, in service of the country. Um, just real quick and and I don't want again I don't want to get too deep into it but I just was over in France and visited Normandy and visited all that D-Day um the cemeteries and the landing sites and so on and it was it was inspiring it was amazing what those guys did in 1944 to save the world and if anybody ever gets the chance to go it will change your perspective on a lot of things. Um so Ryan you said 23% I think is what you said. So does that mean you're 8. Are you a hard no?
3: No, I'm not. Uh, so I, I, I'm somebody. Uh, even though I'm a numbers guy, as you well know, um, I am somebody who also thinks you gotta. So this is where I think actually Gabe Kapler improved the most is during his um, initial season with the Phillies. He was everything by the Excel spreadsheet. That was yep. it. Yep. But he learned to bet with his gut, which is what made him a a success in uh, San Francisco. And I think he's been having success in San Francisco because he has not always been going by the spreadsheet. Sometimes you put a lefty out there and you got two lefties in a row, but you can just see this guy has it today. And so you let him continue to go. And sure enough, he strikes out the side. So um, I think that's where Gabe Kapler actually failed when he was here uh, in Philadelphia. And, um, where he is uh, succeeding in San Francisco. And right. I, I just, um, I, I, I think that this team similarly um, is not a 23.8% chance. I, I'm, I'm somewhat inclined to agree with you, Glenn. I think around 40%. I okay. think um, they're going to continue to progress forward and uh, hopefully, you know, end up in that 88 to 92 win uh, range. And, uh, which Make would a get him in there.
0: A Ryan, we gotta run. But uh people he this guy's a great follow on Twitter, the Ace of Spader S B A E D E R. The stats are amazing. Just uh, you know, as you and I have discussed, a little bit too much Barry Bond's love. But uh, nonetheless, he's yeah. a good follow. All
3: right, <laughs> be Both, well, man. Clint, I always appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, thanks for thanks,
1: thanks for checking in. All right. Um one one question before we get the break. Yeah. Arlington Cemetery in Drexel Hill? Yeah, it's it's it's
0: yes. It's not the Arlington Cemetery. Yeah, that's uh,
1: if we're talking about uh, the people that gave their lives for the country being buried in Arlington Cemetery, I'm thinking D.C. I didn't even know we had an Arlington Cemetery in the Delaware Valley. Well, there you go. Um, Okay, so we got to get some rule changes.
0: Well, we don't have to, but you can win a prize if you do, and it's an interesting topic, and I'll throw one out. And our producer, Dan Wilson, has one uh, as well. Uh, and coming up, what are, oh, you know what, Jody? Coming, you probably covered this on the Jacob Media show you
1: do. Yep. Did you talk about the Jonathan Gannon stuff much? Too much. Uh, <laughs> well, just, just short of uh, James Harden, Willie won't Won'ty, shouldn'ty. He? Uh, well, really hey, inter- hey, oh listen, yeah, it's called it's Plenty. called
0: it's called what's the name of the show? Birds 360? three sixty. Correct. Yeah, three sixty five. So That's how 365. Many days there are Yeah, yeah you year, don't get five guy. days off, too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, so you're always doing it. I have not. So you're going to have to indulge me for two more minutes when we get back. <laughs> All
1: right. But there's a, a bigger Eagle, Eagle topic that I'm surprised. I'm actually pleasantly surprised. In Eagles fans, and I get a lot of uh, social media activity because of uh, Birds 365 and the like, they have not been gaga over available superstar wide receivers which usually with Eagle oh, fans, it's, there's, a, there's a very recognizable name out there. Let's get him on the birds. Let's get him on. What uh, do we have to that's... do? Howie Roseman, what are you doing sitting on your hands? Get it done. There are some really good wide receivers. One more easily obtained than the other, and I have not heard the and cry of we need to add this wide receiver. So I'm actually tipping my hat to bird fans this off season.
0: Jody, we got two hours and 20 minutes to go. I'll bet you a can of beer that name comes up. You got it. Okay, 215-592-9494. Uh, would love to hear from you, even if it is on that topic. We're open. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Now on 94 WIP. Jody McDonald, Glenn on 94 WIP. All right, Jody, tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you a break, and we're not going to do the Jonathan Gannon stuff, at least now. Okay. We'll do it later. If you want to do it, I'll do it. Nah, just... we'll do it. We'll do it when we get on Dave Zangaro. Okay. He's coming yeah, there you I'll go. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. I don't need to. I don't need to tee it up before then. So I'm going to give you my rule change, Please. and then we're going to. We got a couple people calling with him, and we'll uh, we'll talk to them. I'm watching the NHL playoffs last week. Um, Dallas Vegas. By the way, Dallas coming back like the Celtics are coming back. They won two in a row, and in this one, Vegas scores a goal. I think it was Vegas. I don't remember. Actually, it might have been Dallas. And the play gets reviewed. And the player who set up the goal had one milli-inch of his skate over the blue line when he made the pass. And so I think it was the fourth offside challenge so far this postseason, and all have been overturned goals. The coaches are really good at this challenge. I, I hate it and it got me thinking. It's a, it's a fraction of an inch, right? It's a technical, it's this is not a deliberately cheating kind of thing. And there was a story at, after this happens and I'm ranting and raving at my cat watching the game uh, cuz my wife won't watch hockey with me. There's a story in the Athletic a guy named Mark Lazarus wrote it and he suggested this and I agree. Let's just get rid of offside. All of it. Hockey. Offside. Let's and I know it will dramatically and fundamentally change the game, and I think that's good. I think hockey could stand for change. Hockey playoffs are great. Hockey regular season can be pretty dreary. Um, remember when they went to three-on-three overtimes and people were like, oh, my God, how you can't ever do this? Guess what? Made the game better. Removing the red line, allowing two-line passes, that those made the game better. Games changed. They evolved. Baseball has shown that this year. Basketball has the best. They didn't used to allow the dunk. Now it's obviously a huge part of it. You want to go hang? Go for it. I think it's going to backfire. I think it's it's going to it's going to cost your team on the other end. But I think it would be a rule change that will make hockey much more exciting. And that's it. I'm taking it. Let's play it like street hockey back when I was growing up in Buffalo, New York, and get rid of offsides. Are you with me?
1: Um, possibly.
0: Really? Or, oh, yes. I didn't think I'd have a shred of a chance.
1: No, uh, because you're right. It will open up the game, and faster is better. That's part of what hockey is about, or at least what attracts me to hockey, Mm -hmm. uh, is the fact that it's just played at such an unbelievable speed, and I appreciate the guy's skating skills because I can't skate to save my life. So I I give a lot of credit to those who can do what they do in the National Hockey League at the speed they do it. Here's my question for you because you're a better hockey guy than me. Uh, I don't even know how many years ago. When did they give the referees the power to wave off an icing? Uh, that If a guy didn't quite yeah, like hustle like back. 10, 10, 10, 12 years ago. Maybe. 10, 12 years ago. I thought that was great. Yeah. Because it was just, uh, yeah, you wait and the guy slows down. It just gets off the line. And then he touches it. He could have played it if he didn't. And they said, why are we allowing him to do this? Let's give some subjectivity to the referees. And I know there are some people out there who hate that in general, that uh, the referees are out to beat them every single time. So any more subjectivity is bad because they're the referees. I don't have that general overall feeling. So is there a way that you could make that icing call a subjective call? That, that, that i rather ease into call? it rather than the offsides call. Rather than just, there's no such thing as offside anymore. Is there a compromise position there? I couldn't come up with it. I figure a guy like you, Mr. Hockey, might be able to come up with it better than me. Uh, I mean,
0: maybe you could, uh, but you are correct in saying you're going to open it up to whenever. uh, One of the other things that I don't like about sports is giving the referees more discretion. I don't think that's generally been helpful in the NFL and in other sports where the referees do that. So I'm just saying, get rid of it. I'm going a step further no no more offsides you want you want to you want to hang around the goalie and wait for that pass from the other side of the ice let's see how that affects the game somebody's got to probably try to defend you or beat you up or something but i'm offsides is gone in my game hockey is you mentioned you said it what you love about hockey is the speed of the game yep and it, it the players are so much bigger than they used to be and so much faster than they used to be, but it is all constrained by you can't be here when the puck is there, and don't do this. Just let's just make it let's make it exciting. So that's my rule change. Uh, let us see what the people have to say. We'll talk to Mike in Yardley. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hello, Mike. Hey,
4: good morning, gentlemen.
0: Hey, how are you? Uh,
4: oh, I, it's great. Um, you know, weather is wonderful, but I get to call and talk baseball with Jody and Glenn, which cool. is one of my favorite things to do on these shows. Because I get so much uh, what? good feedback, intelligent conversation on
0: Thank this. you so much.
4: You're welcome. Um, my my initial thought on the baseball was, you know, I heard somebody complain about Rob Thompson. I think to the extent that Rob's making mistakes, it's trying to figure out how to utilize a, a slumping Trey Turner. I mean, if Turner had come into the, the season – Hitting the way he did in the baseball classic, um, he'd still be the first man in the lineup, and uh, you know the lineup would be producing differently. And I think it kind of ricocheted around. I think there's been a lot of negative stuff around his slumping, but he seems to be coming out of it. That's the other maybe
0: thing is, last two days, the last two weeks suggests not the last couple of days.
4: Says, yeah, and eventually I think he, you know he'll come back to his what do they call it, the baseball card statistics yeah. he'll be, he'll be getting back there and I think that will improve things quite a bit and I was talking to a buddy of mine just yesterday and I said you know there wouldn't have to be that much to turn around for the Phillies to become a much much better team and we've beaten the Braves two games in a row now which is the proof in the pudding if you ask me the biggest problem is uh, Nolan Suarez and if
0: yeah. if they
4: can Get even remotely, we can get 80% of what they did last year, we're going to be in much better shape. But that's the biggest vulnerability. I agree.
0: Hey, give us a rule change that you would like to see.
4: Okay. uh, One other thing a baseball or a basketball comment. Mm. I don't want Harden back. If he comes back, that's fine. But Maxi should be bringing the ball up. We lose four seconds minimum on every shot clock because Harden takes too long to get the ball into the front court.
0: Okay. Now, my rule
4: change? change. is I know Glenn, you're not going to like this, but I don't like the tush push, and not because it isn't <laughs> successful for our Eagles, it is. But I played rugby, and guys get hurt in that kind of a scrum, and it's going to be you know, at some point, somebody's going to have a serious injury because there's just too much mass being concentrated in too small an area, it's going to result in an injury.
0: Well, you're and right, you're right about one thing what's that you hate my comment i disagree with you jody where do you line up
1: yeah i'm not a fan of the tush push i'm with them and purely from looking at it to eagle colored glasses you don't want to change because you've got the most physical leg driving quarterback in national football league and the uh, results are in he can't be stopped so if you're looking at it purely to an eagle lens eh, it's a good thing they didn't touch it but if you are looking at it for the good of the game, and all 32 teams in the NFL, yeah, I'd rather see them put some kind of restraint on it.
0: Obviously, part of what I like is that the Eagles are successful. I would be lying if I denied that. But, you know, I'm trying to think, like, okay, how would I feel if it was like the, let's say, the the Los Angeles Chargers came up with it and so it didn't affect my life one way or the other, right? A neutral team that I could care less about. I think I would really like it because in my mind – a team used its talents, which is that quarterback plus that offensive line's ability to get low and drive through, right? The offensive line is critical to it, plus the guys pushing them in from behind, and figured out a way within the rules to make a play that is almost unstoppable. So I admire that, and I support that. And the next phase in this thing is, okay, now you got to find a way to stop it. And we've been through these things throughout sports all the time, right? Sure. The Wildcat offense was all the rage for about 10 years ago for about a season and a half, and then they figured out how to stop it. And so, to me, this is kind of a development along that line, and I'm, I am I, I, don't know about his concern for injury. I can't tell him he's wrong, but since I haven't seen an injury on it, and the Eagles did it, what, 35 times last year or something? I'm not going to go with that. Yeah, I it, it, listen, his suggestion is the first of the day, so he's in the lead, but I'm not with him.
1: Right. The only thing I want to do away with is you just ran it down. You described the play and the guy's pushing him from behind. That's the, to me, what needs to be removed. I'm not saying quarterback can't sneak the ball. That's part of football. And I still think the Eagles would be great at it. Even if they didn't have somebody behind Jalen Hurts pushing him, I think they'd be better at it than anybody else in the national football league. Just because of Jalen Hurts' physical capabilities but I do think it's going to lend itself to some getting hurt because teams are going to get frustrated and they're going to take specific shots at the quarterback and believe they're going to be able to get away with it because it's such a mass of humanity. Yeah. I don't want to take that risk with a guy I'm paying $150 million to. Let's
0: talk to Dave in Havertown. By the way, Dave, is there a better place in the world than Havertown, PA? I don't think there is. <laughs> I don't think there is either. There you go.
5: So, all right. So first off, uh, I just want to mention my Philly's point, uh, I'm I'm actually encouraged in seeing what Trey Turner has is starting to change things around and starting to basically get his hitting back, which is good. It's about goddamn time he, he's finally waking up. Yeah. But then my rule change yesterday, I covered the NCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship at the link. Yeah, the rule change I proposed. What happened in the Penn State Duke game is so egregious. The Duke's player's foot was in the crease. And the referee ruled it a good goal in overtime. So Penn State got robbed yesterday. Sounds
0: like the, uh, well, it, it sounds like you've got a personal gripe and more power to you. Uh, I remember Jody Stanley Cup that way between the Dallas Stars and the Buffalo Sabres, right? Wasn't that Brett Hall right. standing in the crease? And, oh, by the way, all my that old fam, friends in Buffalo never
1: got over that one. Is that something that needs a rule change or no. just a non missed call?
0: I think, I think he needed to vent. I think he okay. was – listen, just, I, I get it. That's one of the reasons we're here. I think he was upset about that game yesterday, and, you know, he's, he heard us talking about this, and he felt, here are some guys who will sympathize with me.
1: At so, least he didn't say the referee needed, needed to face a firing squad. I, I thought he might get to that length.
0: He might have if I kept him on. <laughs> way. And I
1: mentioned, I mentioned how much I love
0: where I live, which is Havertown, PA. However – I have one major complaint, which occurred this morning and has been occurring a lot. So there is a woodpecker who lives in a tree across the street from me. Uh-oh. You have woodpeckers where you live?
1: No, not that okay. I know of. You, you, oh, I'm you a would pretty, know. I'm a pretty sound sleeper. Mac you would man. know. When, when I go oh. out, I go out. Yeah, there's no, no. no waking me.
0: 5.30 this morning. I can't even make the noise. It's It's like... It's like if you took um, a hammer and banged it on a desk repeatedly, Okay. and this this, guy's, this guy is waking me up all the time. I can't, not that I own a gun to shoot him, but I can't go out and shoot There's nothing I can do about it, right? I cannot have a conversation with his woodpecker and ask him to
1: move, and he's moved into
0: this tree. He's been living in the
1: tree. Call your congressman. Maybe he can do something about it. When in doubt, get government intervention. I know my congresswoman. I could there call you go. Her. All right, give her a call. And, oh, by the way, best place on the planet, not Havertown, not Malton, New Jersey. I'll, I'll go Maui, Hawaii if I can go anywhere on this well, planet.
0: That's Havertown and Maui have frequently
1: uh, been. Pretty close. You yeah, haven't yeah,
0: mentioned in the same conversation.
1: I'm, I'm, you're, I'm saying you are going to end up a runner-up in that conversation, <laughs> Matt, man.
0: Perhaps. I, I, I understand that, but anyway. Yeah, so that's my woodpecker issue. Happy to share. If anybody knows a solution for that, let me know. I imagine there is zero solution to getting a woodpecker, and it's a high tree.
1: Isn't there a book, Woodpeckers for Dummies? You can't, you can't go online and look that one up, Glennie. <laughs> no,
0: I don't think so. I think I'm, I think I'm stuck, and he's waking me up as often as he can. Ouch. Um, coming up, we will talk to Dave Zangaro. Does a terrific job covering the Eagles for NBC Sports Philadelphia, and find out what's going on with him, and take your calls as well. Two one five. Five nine two ninety four ninety four. It is uh, Sunday, day before Labor Day, uh, Labor Day, day before Memorial Day. Let's not rush the summer with Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Macnow on ninety four WIP. Hey, are you tired of dealing with those old, inefficient windows in your house? Maybe it's time to go guide-a. How about that drafty, beat up looking entry door that you've painted over more times you can count? Well, go Gida. If you need added protection from the elements with a new storm door, go Gaida. What about that sliding patio door, the garage door you've been meaning to replace? Go Guida. Whatever your home improvement needs are, I suggest you go Guida with the great people at Guida Door and Window. To help get your project started, Guida is offering 20% off all windows and doors while allowing you to start your project with no money down and up to three full years to pay them off interest-free. That's right. Receive 20% instant savings with the luxury of paying off your project interest-free for up to 36 months. Restrictions apply. Offers for limited time. Hey, what are you waiting for? It's time you finally go Guida. Call today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven 877 go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, dot com. Speaking of the tush push, that was the Super Bowl tush push. Uh, Journey McDonald, Glenn Mac now on a Sunday headed into Memorial Day. I'm very happy to be joined now by a guy who does a terrific job uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia, star of stage, screen, and the internet and all that stuff, Dave Zangaro joins us. Dave, how are you today? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Good. Terrific. Um, we just uh, had a debate that we didn't expect to have on the future of the tush push. Um, I'm a fan. Jody is not, uh, nor was our previous caller. Um, Two-part question, two question for you. as a As a football guy, what do you think of it? And what's the what's the possibilities of it moving forward? Yeah, I mean,
6: for my like me personally, I don't mind it. Uh, I think it, it was an inventive way the Eagles figured out to have a, a good quarterback sneak. I don't think other teams are going to be as successful with it as the Eagles were. Like, I don't think it's just going to be that easy for other teams. I think it does take some technique and some skill, and having a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, certainly helps. So uh, I, I don't think it's as automatic as it looked for the Eagles this year. I'm curious to see what happens this season because it was not outlawed. So uh, I'm imagining a bunch of other teams are going to try to do it. And, and I'm, I'm very curious to see what their success rate looks like because the one thing I really appreciated about the way the Eagles did it, wasn't just that they did it, but then they had all these plays off of it, uh, which was really fun to watch them kind of come up with it. You can see Nick Sirianni's uh, real, his strong suit is is coming up with plays and figuring out how to play off of things, and they did that really well last year with the touch
1: push. Mm-hmm. All right, then off that, let me go here next. Yes, the Eagle offense was superior last year, addition uh, AJ Brown, tush push, Jalen uh, taking about nine steps forward rather than the one or two that would have been reasonably expected. A lot of reasons why they were that great. I think a part of it was Shane Steichen was an outstanding, on-the-spot play caller. I think he got in the rhythm with his quarterback and his entire team and his assistant coaches that are putting his substitutional players out there, running back and the like. He's no longer here. And we know Brian Johnson's got a great uh, individual relationship with Jalen Hurts. But we don't know how good a play caller he's going to be. He could be as good or better than Shane Steichen or not as good, and then the Eagles have an issue. How confident are you in Brian Johnson's play calling abilities?
6: Yeah, it's a fair question because it's it's, it's a tough question, too, because it's something we won't really know the answer to until the regular season. I mean, they'll they'll play in the preseason, but it won't really give us a sense. And same with practices, even joint practices. We won't really know until they're in game situations, and I agree with you. I mean, Shane was uh, diabolical last year in some of his play calling. It was – he pushed every right button, and – it was fun to watch him kind of put a game together because it would be, I mean, he'd run the same play three times in a row, which is almost unheard of in the league. And uh, it was fun to watch the way he did it. Uh, look, I, I don't know how good Brian Johnson's going to be. They seem to be pretty confident in him. Um, the, the talk from the team is that he thinks about offense very similarly to the way Shane did, but, uh, but and look, we have a little bit to go on with Brian. Like he did it a tad in college, but this is different. So I think the relationship with Jalen Hurts does help when you have an understanding of what your quarterback wants, and and you know him that well. I think that can be an advantage. But uh, is he going to be better than Shane Spiking at it? Uh, probably not. I think that's a really high bar. Uh, but if he gets close to that, I think they'd be in pretty good shape.
0: Dave Zangara is our guest from NBC Sports Philadelphia. You can follow him on Twitter at D-Z-A-N-G-A-R-O-N-B-C-S. That rolls off the tongue. So, Dave, Jody uh, asked me to make sure that we discuss the Rich, rich, not Rich Gannon, the Jonathan Gannon situation, excuse me, um, because they have a new he left uh, and is now the coach of the Arizona Cardinals, which could be the worst team in the league this year. So... uh, Ultimately, what happened, I'm sure you heard as we did um, Howie Roseman's little brief two-minute skirmish on ProFootballTalk.com and how he just didn't want to talk about it. What do you think happened with Gannon? Was it something big? Was, do you, was, it, was it something big enough that they felt he was distracted at the Super Bowl? Or the flip side, was it just like some small procedural rule that the Eagles were able to take advantage of on draft day?
6: Yeah, it's probably somewhere in between. I don't think he was, like, so distracted that the game plan was off in the Super Bowl. I I just – I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. It's the Super Bowl, and he was trying to win the Super Bowl. So, look, was he distracted? If it's in his mind, then you can say, all right, maybe he was a little distracted. But I don't think that's the reason they lost the game. Um, Now, you can give him some of the blame for that loss, certainly, but – uh, I don't think it was because he was thinking ahead to his next gig. Uh, now, did it soften the blow for him? Maybe. You know, I, I think that's, that could be human nature. But uh, I don't know if it was like, man, I had this job. I'm not even going to bother to to worry about the rest of this game plan. Uh, and that doesn't mean the game plan wasn't off. Uh, but we've seen other games from him where the game plan was off and he didn't have a head coaching gig coming. So uh, I think – the truth probably lies somewhere in between. I think it's probably fair to say the Eagles weren't thrilled with the way the departure happened. Um, and I, I think Howie's hesitancy to talk about it probably lies somewhere because it, it was, as he kept keeps saying, it was handled at an ownership level, so he doesn't want to go over his head and and speak about it. Uh, okay. And I don't think he ever will. I really don't think
0: No, so. I don't think he ever will. Maybe yeah, in his memoirs.
6: <laughs> I read those memoirs, it would be pretty good Yeah, that'd be a good story
1: I actually think it'll be in Jeffrey Lurie's memoirs Since it was done on an ownership level It was negotiated there We got a chance to hear it from Jeffrey before we hear it from Howie And oh, by the way, yeah, I don't believe it had anything to do with the outcome of the Super Bowl If Aaron Sipas doesn't get off a lousy punt And have Gannon back against the wall uh, inside the 10-yard line It might not have been quite as bad But let's not relive that Let's look forward Dave Gonzalo, give me a percentage chance DeAndre Hopkins is going to sign with the Eagles.
6: Ooh. Um, I, I don't think very great. Um, and, look, I, I think you at least ask about him because he's a great player. But uh, I don't know. The money would make it tough. Uh, there's only one football. I think that makes it tough as well. Uh, we saw some moments last year where A.J. Brown was frustrated. I think even though he didn't show it, I think there are probably some moments where uh, Devontae Smith was a little frustrated. You're trying to feed those two guys. You're trying to feed Dallas Goddard. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is an excellent player, um, but he's also the kind of player you have to get the ball to quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I don't think it's very likely uh, I look you call because whenever there's a great player, you, you should call and you should figure it out. And, um, you don't want to. You don't want him to sign somewhere and say, "Oh man, we could have done that." Um, but I, yeah, I don't think it's very likely.
0: Okay. Um, nor do I, and I don't think it's a good idea for what you just said. There's only one football, and I don't. I don't want to take away catches from the guys they got, and I don't think Hopkins is going to be happy coming here getting 40 to 50 catches. So I'm, yeah, and I'm,
2: that's kind of like you know we all
6: offseason. I feel like a big topic of conversation has been the third wide receiver because Quez had a disappointing year last year, and, and I'm not thing he didn't he certainly did he had some negative plays and, and he he did not live up to what he needed to live up to but the the problem in theory was like you know they're talking about maybe they'll use a high draft pick on a receiver or maybe they'll go out and find someone uh over the level of olamide Zacchaeus who is a decent player not like someone he had the problem with like using a resource on a receiver is now hey, you got to figure out target share and, and that's a really tricky thing and it's something mm-hmm. that uh, it's it's fun to like put together um, video game football rosters, but then <laughs> you have to figure out how to make it work on the field
0: and uh, country and off is a big field. part of it. And, and you've got you yeah, got to keep your guys exactly. happy, which we know with wide receivers, they tend to like the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would like somebody in that job somewhere between Quez Watkins and DeAndre Hopkins, which is a very, very wide berth. I grant you yeah. that. He, uh, him aside – do you, last year, as, as I recall, C.J. C. Gardner-Johnson was, like, right at the end and came in and, boy, had an impactful season here. What do you see as the chance of late additions? And uh, I don't even know, have a player, but a position you could see them targeting for that.
6: I think linebacker is one that makes the most sense because you look at their linebackers right now. Uh, they started the game tomorrow. It would be N'Kobe Dean and Nicholas Morrow. And look, everyone, the team seems high on N'Kobe Dean, but they also put him on the bench last year and and didn't give him a chance to even get on the field. That was one of the things I look back at last season and kind of scratched my head on. Like they couldn't figure out some kind of role to get N'Kobe Dean on the field a little bit, um, but they didn't. And now you're looking at him as your Mike linebacker and you're throwing him into the fire. And even if he's ready for that, uh, him and Nick Morrow, I, you know, Nick, Nicholas Morrow is a starter in the league. He, he played last year, but Chicago went out and quickly tried to upgrade, and they signed two other linebackers uh, mm-hmm. to upgrade that position. So, And after that, I mean, you're talking about Christian Ellis, Davion Taylor, Sean Bradley, uh, Ben Ben-Zimmerin, the, the rookie from Michigan State. So, like, there's just not a lot out there or, or on the team right now. So I, I think that's a position. Uh, there's a few names out there. I mean, Patrick Queen is one to me that would make sense if you could figure out a trade to get him here. Uh, I think that would be a logical move. Someone like that. You, and it's similar to the CJ GJ thing last year, a guy who might be entering uh, the final year of a contract, and, and that team has decided that, yeah, we're probably not going to re sign this guy. Uh, so if you can find a player like that that makes sense, I think linebacker is the position that makes the most sense.
1: Let me go down that Patrick Queen road with you because I from the time that they drafted the linebacker in the second round at Clemson. Kid, I liked. I said, well, the Ravens are in the same position they were last year. I thought the Eagles should try and make a trade for Chuck Clark, who they didn't, and the Ravens didn't. They held on to him all year, and they ended up trading him for a seventh-round pick this off-season to the Jets. So I thought the Ravens mishandled it. So I thought they'd be more motivated to move a uh, Patrick Queen this offseason. I think he's worthy of a third-round draft pick, and everyone I've run this by said, no way, Howie Roseman's not giving up a day-two pick. Well, it's a day-two pick. If the Eagles are what we think we think they're going to be, it's going to be in the 90s, okay? They're, they're going to be drafting down at the end of the round again, so it isn't like it's top of the third round. It's going to be the bottom of the third round I would be willing to give up a third-round pick for Patrick Queen today because even if you don't get him signed, then he's going to be a free agent. You're going to get a compensation pick. So you're going to get something back on the back end. Do you think Howie Roseman will aggressively enough put a value on that linebacker position to get a guy like Patrick Queen if he's got to give up a late third-round pick to do so?
6: Yeah, the third's a little rich for me. Um,
1: uh, you and... too! Everybody's afraid give it up a third-round pick!
6: yeah well it's about value and and i don't think that he would completely rule that out but a fourth rounder sounds a lot better doesn't it uh and i don't think that's out of the question for a year rental and look if they have a chance to resign, maybe they would do it but uh, the way linebacker contracts have gone uh even if he signs somewhere else the comp pick you get back probably isn't going to be a very high comp pick uh, look, I wouldn't completely rule out a third rounder, but I think that's a little too rich. I, I, a fourth rounder signed me up. And Don't I know see, that that you're the like, same
1: as everybody else. What's the difference between a third round pick and a fourth round pick? Is it the day, or it is is it exactly the number of slots that you're dropping down?
6: Well, it's, I mean, it's the spots, it's the value okay. of of a pick, and and that's kind of and, and we've seen in their history they've traded fourth round picks, so I I have a, a better feel that they would do that. Rather than give up a day two pick, right. right? If
1: I'm the if I'm the Ravens general manager, I go, wait a minute, I want a fourth round pick. For the fourth round pick, you gave up for the guy from Chicago last year, the pass rusher who did absolutely nothing. You think Patrick Queen's equivalent to him? No, 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 no. You got to give me a third round pick, otherwise this deal's not getting done. Yeah, and- that's not how G- That'd be a bad move
6: by a GM saying, "Well, yeah, this last guy you traded for stinks, so we're going to need more." I, that's not the way that works.
0: Okay. All right. Um, any other under the radar players? Because we talked about Nicobe Dean, or guys that you see breaking out, making a big step on this team this year.
6: Hmm, that's a good question. Um, let me go through the roster a little bit in my head. Uh, how about Milton Williams, mm-hmm. uh, who is he, for whatever reason he's always the forgotten guy on this defensive line. He was in line to be a starter until they drafted Jalen Carter, so he probably sticks in his role, but. He's a really good player, and it, 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 he gets lost on this defensive line with all these stars, but he's one, of my, he's one of my favorite players to watch on this defense because he does play in this rotational role. So he empties the tank on every play, and you watch him in pursuit. You watch him uh, get upfield. He is slippery as a three-tech, so he gets in the backfield quite a bit. Uh, I like Mullen I, I would have been fine if he was a starter on this team, and now obviously they go out and they – they draft Jalen Carter, and, and he's going to be a starter. But uh, Milton Williams is pretty good, and uh, he's the one guy on that defense I think probably doesn't get enough credit.
1: Okay. I like it, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. All right, one last thing for me, Dave. This week, Eagles go back to work. They're going to be out there on the field. Dave Gonzaro is going to get a couple of minutes to actually see the Eagles on a football field. How much work are they going to do?
6: I mean, not a ton, but. They're not going to do a ton of training camp either. It's, that's the way they, they handle these things. And after the results last year, I, I think they're probably feeling even more emboldened to keep their practices very light. But look, it is their first on-field work in a practice setting. And that's exciting. We'll at least see some depth chart things. We'll see, you know, is, is Cam Jorgens the right guard with the first team? I, I presume he will be. Um, what do the safeties look like? Who's out there? Does Sidney Brown rotate in at all? early on so like uh, the running backs who gets the first carry or the first uh start in the, the backfield and, and how do they rotate there so it's a lot of the things we'll be watching in training camp but it's our first glimpse at them uh in OTAs it's our first chance to see you know a, a lot of these new players in Eagles jersey and, and see how they work together we'll see a little bit of the defense Sean Desai uh, we have an idea of what that's going to look like but we'll actually see it on field and and start to to look at the things we'll really be diving into once training can start.
0: All right that sounds good and let's leave with this and I know we didn't tee you up for this so you don't have one as a fine answer. Jody and I are debating if you could change any rule in sports what would you change? Is there an NFL? Is there a football rule you would change if Dave Zangaro was made the czar of it all? And by the way I would vote for you over Roger Goodell. For I the appreciate experts. that. I yeah. think I
6: do a good job. Um, I don't know if it's a rule as much as a procedural thing. Uh, let's get rid of the chain gang. Um, <laughs> it, it, it makes no sense to me that like this is a billion dollar industry,
0: yeah.
6: and we have two old guys carrying sticks with a chain that you got from Home Depot,
0: and we saw them break last year a couple times. That, twice it broke yeah. twice.
7: Yeah,
6: it makes no <laughs> sense. I don't know the tech. I know the technology has to exist. Figure it out. Yeah. Don't get first down calls wrong anymore. It's embarrassing that uh, a
0: league with like the NFL is still relying on chains. Uh, you know what? You may be the winner today, Dave. That was it. That was it. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you. We look forward to your reports f- uh, from minicamp on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Be well, man.
1: Thanks, guys. Take care. Right.
0: Thanks, Dave. Actually, I, I thoroughly agree with him on that. You agree I, with him I, on that? I,
1: I'm trying to stay away from lasers, both for the strike zone and everything else, Glenn, uh, but uh, – Hey, this one might just be too easy yeah. to do to say no to. Uh, <laughs> I, I am going to sound like the old guy get off my lawn, so I I, I might have to give that one up.
0: Uh, it really is. Like, you know, they grabbed two guys out of 1927 and put them, they like, brought them forward in time with the old chain gang to stand on the field. So it is
1: kind of weird. I could go down the road of, yes, someone's losing their job, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to win that argument. Uh,
0: hey, Jody Mack, coming up, you and I are going to discuss, there is a special. Coming on TV this week that is going to feature the Sixers, not these Sixers, but everybody's favorite Sixers, the Allen Iverson Sixers. We'll tell you about that. Also, we're going to get, uh, as the hour goes on, we're going to get into a little bit of that basketball again that took place last night. Celtics heat, Celtics trying to accomplish something never been done in the history of the NBA. And Jody, I think they're going to do it.
1: Eight-and-a-half-point favorite says they're going to do
0: it. I think they're going to. I know, I know. Anyway, we'll get into all that, and we'll take your calls. We are focusing whatever's on your mind, of course, but we're having a good time talking about rule changes that you would make in any sport. You win a nice prize. 215-592-9494. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. All right. Well, you know all those voices. Let's see. It was Larry Brown. It was Billy King. And it was Pat Croce. And it was Allen Iverson and Jody. It was a great time in 76ers basketball, uh, although a little contentious, as you hear from that promo, which will be celebrated this coming Wednesday at uh, 90-minute special, 8 to 9.30 on NBA TV, a show called Everything But the Chip. I am really looking forward to it, and I will tell you, Jody Mack, that uh, a former student of mine, when I taught at St. Joseph's University, Cliff Duquette, wrote a book about the Sixers and then was involved and consulted on this project, and he joins us now. First of all, Mr. Duquette, congratulations. You've gone on to much bigger and better than since you were sitting in my classroom, whatever that was, 12, 14 years ago. It was,
5: I think it was the fall of 2006, and, yeah. and I, 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 I think I set the bar pretty low well so that no matter what I do, I was able to, to reach, you know, <laughs> big, bigger and, and better heights, so to speak. But Professor Mack now, it's great to hear from you verbally after almost 17 years, and Jody Mac, thanks so much for having me.
1: Not a problem. Our pleasure. I've got a question for you. Did you reach out to them or did they reach out? How did the process get started that you were involved in this documentary?
5: So, the producer actually reached out to me on Facebook, of all places. And, at, you know, at first, I didn't know what to make of it. Part of me thought I was being catfished, to be honest with you.
7: <laughs> and we, we
5: got on the phone, you know, we talked a little bit, and she told me that Turner Sports wanted to do a documentary. On the 2001 76ers team, she didn't know where to go for research. And her bosses told her, well, guess what? Someone was crazy enough to write a book about that team. You might want to check it out. And as a result, she used it uh, to research a lot of her talking points uh, when interviewing people like AI and Larry Brown, Pat Croce, and so forth. And, and she wanted me to play a role in that from the fans' perspective. And we did filming back in December. And, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's something I did not expect would happen.
0: Well, Mr. Duquette, if I taught you anything, it should have been to promote your product. So tell people the name of your book and how they can get it.
5: Of course. So, so this book, by the way, again, it's the only book out there on the 2001 team it's called The 76ers with Iverson, Reliving the Ride. The book does exactly what that title says it'll do. It will bring you back as though you are reliving it all over again. And not, it's not just about game recaps and the trades that happen. There's another story behind it. It tells the point of view uh, from a teenager, from me. I was 14, 15 years old when all of this happened. And while most people become sports fans because their families or other people draw them in, I was drawn into the Sixers by myself. And here I am trying to convince my family and friends that they're worth watching. And there's this ongoing battle between me and my parents, uh, because, you know, in their minds, Allen Iverson was taking me away from my homework. <laughs> and, and that's, that's, what, that's how That's how it went. And somehow I convinced them to get tickets for every home playoff game in 2001. So I saw all of that in person throughout that ride over eight weeks. And it, it created the big, biggest memories of my life. And my purpose was to make these memories come to life for other people.
0: Well, somebody had the privilege of teaching you those years ago. I'm, I just got to tell you, I'm really proud of you. Uh, I'm delighted for you and your success with this. And Jody and I really look forward to watching this uh, documentary on Wednesday. So, uh, Cliff, Mr. Duquette, good work by you, man.
5: I I, I really appreciate the kind words. It, it was it was great staying in touch with you after all these years. You, you know, you you've, you your help, and I still remember to this day the five rules that that you taught us <laughs> back then. And yeah, good. My, sure, my my career has moved on from sports journalism, but this is something that I i 'm definitely going to make the most out of it. I hope you guys enjoy it it 's going to be an amazing film it 's going to really answer the question. How on earth did we go from near divorce between a superstar and a head coach to one of the most thrilling playoff runs in, in Philly sports history in a, again in a matter of ten months?
0: See now now you now 're you're doing you 're promoting the product that 's what I taught Very you. Good, good job. All right. Be well, Cliff. Stay in touch. I do
5: what I can. All Thank right. you so much for Thank having you me guys. Have you got it. The show.
0: You got it. We look forward to seeing that on Wednesday. I'm, I, I, we all love that team, right, Jody? That was, that was one of the great fun rides they built up over a couple of years. They got into the that 2001 season was spectacular. Uh, they make the trade from a Tumbo during the year. Iverson, of course, wins the MVP. Aaron McKee wins the uh, Sixth Man Award. Larry Brown's the coach of the year. And they go against the unbeatable Lakers, which who proved to be unbeatable. But, God, it was a great ride. I, that's Wednesday night at 8 on NBA TV. Uh, I'm going to definitely check that out. A
1: couple of things. Number one. I'm, I got mixed emotions about this, Glenn, because they did a very good promotional piece. We just played the audio of it here. I've seen it X amount of times on TV. I, I don't know that I want to watch it because I think there's going to be some significant airing of Dirty Laundry. Yeah,
0: the little soap opera part was certainly featured in that uh, preview. No yes,
1: doubt. And I remember that year longingly and how great it was. And I, I've said this on the, I've probably said it with you. I know I've said it umpteen times here on WIP. One of the things I really remember about that year, and maybe it was just happenstance that it happened to me, when they were making that playoff run, I don't know who put these out, who made them, who created them, but I remember people putting 76er flags oh, yeah. on their car. Oh, it was great. And they just hung from, I didn't even, I know. I didn't get one. I yeah. should have, yeah. but I saw them everywhere, yeah, and the everywhere. Windows. And these windows are flapping around. It was just, yes. Terrible. Yeah. And yeah. there's never been anything as as no, big an Eagle phenomenon. town as this is. Yeah. There was, there's never anything like that. And I remember seeing every, You couldn't go anywhere for a couple of months without seeing a sixer flag flying off somebody's car and I absolutely loved it. We know what happened. The Lakers lost the first game, and then beat them four in a row, blah, 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 everything else. Uh, but that run was so great and so much fun. It's a blast. And even off the court with Sixer fans rallying coming together. Yeah. I don't know if I want to besmirch that. I,
0: I think ultimately this thing's going to be a, a, a real positive. I think you're going to enjoy it. Okay. I understand they are going to talk about, you know, Iverson and they almost traded him. and Well, that was afterward when I mean, the Geiger and the whole this and that and the other thing. But I, I think that uh, I think um, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be worthwhile
1: I hope you're right, because I yeah. can't not watch it because it's kind of yeah, your responsibility yeah. as a talk yeah. show host in Philadelphia. You can't just, oh, I didn't get a chance to see that. I don't care. No, you have to watch it. But I'm watching it with some trepidation.
0: um I hear you. Uh, one other thing. And uh, you and I have often similar tastes in TV, but as I recall, you are not a watcher of Succession?
1: No, 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 no. I absolutely am. Oh, From you are? Oh, you are, you are? Okay. One. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I think I've told you this. I turned our good friend, God rest his soul, Big Daddy Graham onto you it. You
0: did. That's right. That's right. Okay,
1: tonight's the final episode.
0: Now, I know that we're playing to a, you know, a minority of our audience because not everybody watches it. To me, it's one of the ten best shows of the last 25 years. Yep. And if you want to do yourself a favor, just go back and start with season one. I think it's, about four seasons, right?
1: Three, that's all. Three. Oh, that's no, uh, Lasso is three. Succession is four.
0: Yeah, okay. So go back, start with season one, and watch them all and binge them and so on because it's worth it. All
1: right, Jody, as it comes up
0: tonight, let's just uh, go on the record. Who do you think... Runs the Empire
1: in the end. Nobody. Well, somebody. No. They will leave you hanging.
0: Oh, no. I do not believe
1: they will it's not gonna be great there's no more shows you can't leave me hanging. oh yeah they can oh yes they they can can. be like Sopranos do do black. thank you very much that's exactly where I was going did not the Sopranos leave you hanging
7: Yes, I'm
1: still waiting for that thing to resolve I think they will do the same exact thing with succession tonight
0: all right well I'm gonna take a candidate uh, and I'm gonna go long shot okay I don't think it's going to be any of the three kids. I don't think it's going to be Tom. I don't think it's going to be Greg. I don't know who else the top candidates are. I think it's going to be actually, and I don't think it's going to be that Swedish awful guy. That, oh, I,
1: I, I he would be my top choice. If oh, I gosh. were not going down, the, it will not be... Uh, definitively defined you think it's gonna be mattson yeah he will he will will roll over all of them including oh god that would uh, be very Shiv who thinks she's positioning herself to be a major player that will go by the board and he will take over everything If, Uh, if you said jody you gotta take one he's my guy all right so you got him well
0: you got no one first and then him second correct I'm going long shot, and I'm going to say it's going to be Jerry and the old those old guard guys. Really? Yeah, because I can eliminate everybody else. I can eliminate all three of the kids, and I can and and like Greg is that's ridiculous, and Tom maybe. How about just, how
1: about the brother? No,
0: no, the old the the doofus, yes. the older brother. Yes, that actually. That that's not a bad long shot either. God, yes. he's an idiot. He's such an idiot. And they um, and they bring a pig in with him when he wins it. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Jerry. So that that's okay. it. Or, uh, or you, you know the people around those, those old guys. That's a good Back long group. shot. Yeah, there you go. Okay, that's enough of that. If you're watching the show, the last three minutes meant a whole lot to you. If you're not watching the show, you don't know what the hell we're talking about. All you right, we'll come back. Show,
1: because you are correct. It's one of the 10 best shows in the last 25 years.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, I started watching, um, uh, what's it called, Water, uh, White House Plumbers
1: on Ooh. HBO. I have not, but I'm going to have to because I know we got to get the break, but quickly. Um, if you are a Comcast customer, you can speak into your remote and say, hanging with Maddie. Because my daughter works for Comcast, and she has been selected as an interviewer. They have individual interviews that you can just on demand for yeah. major upcoming releases that will be on Comcast, either movies after the fact or television shows or the like. And she got to do just recently an interview with the stars of the show that you're talking about. Sweet. And it just So wait, was... if,
0: I, if I pick up my remote. Because I get Comcast mm-hmm. and say, "Hanging with Maddie, I'll Hanging see your daughter." Maddie? You absolutely
1: well. Oh, I'm definitely doing that. She did her her first one was with uh, the Stars of Air.
0: Yeah, which was a great movie.
1: Ben Affleck. Uh, Chris Tucker, Matt Matt Damon, Damon. and and one more, and I forget what it was. And it's not like she's in a room with them. They're doing all this virtually. She's in front of her computer. They're in front of their computer. They do a whole tour of all the outlets that they have, the actors sit down. But she was really pretty good with uh, the superstars of Damon and uh, Affleck. And her newest one just posted uh, on that show. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. But anybody wants to uh, see my daughter talking to the stars of the show that Glenn just started to watch, you can get that on your Comcast outlet all by just saying, Hang in with Maddie into your remote control. I'm doing it. Hey, by the
0: way, one last thing you should be watching is uh, Ray Dinger's play, Tommy and Me. And if you're not busy this Thursday, Thursday night, I will be guest hosting. Uh, I'll be the talk back host at the end of the show. Rays play Tommy and me with a new cast starring um, the guy, uh, Gordon Clapp. Meta Boy. Yeah, right. So who plays Tommy McDonald. It's at the Bucks County Playhouse in New Hope. I'll be there Thursday night. You can get tickets at BucksCountyPlayhouse.org. All right, coming back, uh, Jody and I will talk about the possibility of history coming up in the NBA. History I will not be rooting for. 215 592
1: 9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94WIP. The Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, the only app that I continue to recommend and play with. Bet Parks Sports app, proud to be partnered with the PGA and the official betting partner of the Memorial Tournament presented by Workday right now. New users, how would you like this to get a relationship going with Bet Parks? Make a $10 bet, get $125 in the Sportsbook bonus back if your first bet is a winner. You bet golf, baseball, the NFL, the NHL playoffs, soccer, MMA. They've got it all. The Bed Park Sportsbook app, safe, fun, and very easy to use. Join me. Download the app. Bed Park Sportsbook app is really accessible. All you got to do is go to the app store. Doesn't cost you a penny. Check out all the offerings that they make. Bet more than just a score. Player performances, points, assists, rebounds in hoops, hits, home runs, strikeouts in baseball. Same game parlays, in-game betting. You name it, they've got it. New users make that ten dollars sports bet and get hundred and twenty-five dollars in a sportsbook bonus if your first bet's a winner. BetParks.com has all the terms and conditions. New users winning bets only. The sports bonus must be wagered once. See website for details. Do yourself a favor. Add some action with your action. Get the BetParks sportsbook app.
0: Not exactly the greatest play-by-play call in the history of sports uh, last night because of the uncertainty as to whether the ball was released before the buzzer went off. And yes, indeed it did. And uh, the Celtics win on an amazing play. Derek Derek White, excuse me, um, throws the inbound pass in with less than three seconds to go. Runs, positions himself for the offensive tip-in, and gets it. And the Celtics win with 0.1 seconds on the clock. He's the hero. And we got a game seven, Jody. And we may have history. There have been 150 times in NBA history where a team was down three to nothing in a series, and never, ever, ever has that team come back and win. Just three of those times did a team come back and force a game seven. Not since 2003. All three of those. All three of those lost. And as you said, the Celtics are now eight and a half point favorites, uh, and. I don't see how Jimmy Butler and the Heat steal that momentum back.
1: Yeah, but we didn't think they were going to beat the Bucs, uh, and they did. And we didn't think they were going to have 3 nothing against the Celtics, and they did. So I'm not uh, saying it's a foregone conclusion telling you to bet your uh, second mortgage on the Celtics on the money line on this game. But there's a reason why they're 8.5. They're supposed to win. doesn't lock them in. A couple of things on that play. I'll cut slack to the announcers because I don't know about you, but I was watching at the time. I was on the air at the time on CBS, actually doing an interview about something other than basketball at the time. Yeah, so you're, you're great at
0: that kind of multitasking, having one eye on something as you're talking
1: about something else. You're you're a pro. I I tried to be, but even at that, I I really wanted to end the interview just so I could watch the end of the game, but I couldn't do that. So I thought it came after the buzzer, just first glance. Yeah. Before they slowed it down. So I'll cut the announcer slack. Yeah, I, I would have said the same exact thing that they did.
0: I'm not trying to rip them slack. I'm just saying that's you know, when you, you you have the opportunity for a great call on that and they they got caught up in the uncertainty of it.
1: Right. And they had to. Uh, that, that was the circumstance. It was unfortunate, but not a lack of doing their job as the announcing team. Uh, a couple other things. Number one. You mentioned White positioning himself for the offensive rebound. Not immediately. He threw the ball inbounds and then just kind of filtered to the corner. It looked like he thought he was going to get a return pass from Smart, who was well-guarded on the play. And he was going to actually get the last shot, not Marcus Smart. As soon as he saw Smart was going to shoot it, then he made his way from the corner to the rim. It wasn't like he ran directly to the basket to get the rebound. Oh, no, he thought he was going to get a pass back first because nobody was playing him. They were playing off the ball. They were trying to double. Uh, So his man wasn't anywhere close to him. He could have gotten a pass back and made a three. Instead, he went to the basket and put it back in one-tenth of a second. Unbelievable uh, head. Heads up and hustle play by him. But one other guy I want to give a nod to, and that's Marcus Smart. Uh, many moons ago, Mac, I was a player, and uh, basketball was my best sport, and I thought I was a pretty heady player. And you know me. Uh, you, you and I played. I was well into my 30s, so were you at the time. But I was still intense and play the right yeah, way yeah, yeah, understand yeah, yeah. We're, the game. We're,
0: we're playing against, like, some school faculty, and you're <laughs> – and hey, You're like directing stuff around yes. the court. I had
1: no idea what you were talking about. Yes. <laughs> but that's yes. the way. I, I thought I had some very good coaches. And I was a pretty heady player. So hey, You helped me achieve a 2.1
0: scoring average. In that, uh, there you go. In uh, I'll yeah.
1: take the due credit for that, whatever the hell that is. Um, but uh, Marcus Smart made the exact right play. On that, you've got to grab it and shoot it so that you get with three seconds left. And remember... It was started at 2.1, and when Butler got fouled, they went to the review table, and they spent about two and a half minutes there, first to see if it was a foul, then to see if his foot was behind the three-point line so that he gets three foul shots and can actually give them the lead. And also to set the clock, they moved it from 2.1 or 2.2 to 3, and those eight-tenths of a second came in very handy for the Boston Celtics. He knew Marcus Marty had three seconds get the shot up and give your guys a chance at a tip. And damn it if it didn't go exactly that way. So there was a lot of credit to go on with one of the best endings in an NBA playoff game I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, it really was. By the way, uh, speaking of which, speaking of th- uh, coming back from 3-0, it may be happening in the NHL uh, in the Western Conference Finals. The Stars were down 3-0. They won their second straight yesterday night against the, 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 the still the Golden Knights. It still sounds to me like it's out of a movie. Uh, and they get game six back in Dallas. Jamie Benn, who was suspended for the two games for that cheap shot, comes back. It's happened four times in the NHL, and the one, of course, we'll always remember is Flyers-Bruins, the 3-0, 3-0, Simone Gagné, Danny Briere series, and maybe, maybe it happens in the NHL, too. That would be pretty, pretty exciting times, and pretty exciting times in those playoffs in which we can only sit and watch on TV.
1: Right, and the other thing that now comes into play, and it's already in play in the NBA, and it's now that they're stretching out that other series, the Florida Panthers are just sitting around. Yeah. And the Denver Nuggets are just sitting around. Yeah, yeah. And they both were dominant and looked great, and Florida's won, what, 11 of 12? 11 of their last 12 games in the postseason. They have to trail in Boston 2-1 in the first round. Uh, amazing runs by both of those two teams. The whole rest or rust question comes into play again is it better to get everybody rested everybody healed up 100% healthy to start the series but you're not quite on the top of your game when the championship series gets underway I always have fun debating that and we've got that in play in both the NHL and the NBA this year
0: yeah. Again, I I wish we were. I I, I carry some envy into that, issue, as you <laughs>
8: can
0: well imagine. Jack in Santa Barbara actually wants to talk about that Celtics Heat series. Jack, what are you thinking today?
8: I do, but you said self promote, so I have to start there, Professor. Yes. Um, I'm I'm uh, post grad school. I'm writing two books, and when I finish, and and they're influenced by you allowing me to find my voice over twenty two or so well, years. I appreciate that. And and uh I'll walk them into the town tap when I'm when I'm done and, and, and give you my books. How's well, that? I, I
0: will I will gladly meet you to do that. Um so yeah, let's talk yeah. some basketball and a rule change. What do you think about that series?
8: Okay. So the rule change that I want uh Mr. Basketball is. I want to go back to hand checking because I don't think there's enough defense in the game right now, and it's it's turning into a, you know, I'm shooting in the gym because nobody's playing defense. I can just step out to the three point line. So I want to see, I want to see that rule change back to. Alright, so as we,
0: as we and as as we approach Jody with this, uh, Jody piggybacking on what he said. I saw an interview with the commissioner this week in which he said he felt the game was much too physical in the 90s and needed to radically change, which kind of leads to what Jack's talking about and everything else. Do you agree with Jack on this, Jody McDonald?
1: Um, I think there's a middle position here that, yes, I like the athletics. It, it, it's one of my sports bugaboos, Glenn, and has been for umpteen years Everyone who—it's and it's more of a basketball thing than anything else. Football's changed dramatically too, with the fact that you can't play defense in the secondary. Five yards, you can't touch them. Exactly. Everybody, everybody's rules are always changing. I don't yeah. know why people feel the need to say you're a fan of one or you're a fan of the other. That the game no, is no, so no. much. I,
8: I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I I I, I like the middle ground. Yeah. But I think that, I think it needs to be modified a little bit where. Uh, I mean, you got refs deciding games for you anyway. So it's like make it kind of like the NFL where it's a judgment thing, but it's not like completely hands-off, okay? Or or we're all going to be playing basketball on grass in the NFL if they keep it that way. And, And in basketball, I think the game will turn into a yawn because there's not enough defense being played. Yeah. Um, um, and then I want to make a comment about the game last night to to Jody. Go um, ahead. Uh, why? Why on earth do they not have Bam Adebayo guarding White? And I was waiting for Reggie to say the most dangerous guy right now is the guy taking the ball out. Okay. there's nobody guarding him if you put bam on him you are dictating what they can do with that inbounds pass because they're going to probably try to go over the top okay or on we gotta gotta get
0: to it jody and and jack uh always as always a pleasure to talk to you jody what do you think
1: um I had no problem with them trying to double Jason Tatum. I want to get the ball out of his hands. I want to make sure he doesn't beat me. We saw it here in Philadelphia during the regular season. Everybody, Well, how, how do you let know Jason Tatum get the Because he's that good. If you put two guys on him, you lessen the amount. Um, no, the, other than the rebound bouncing directly to White, little luck involved there. I do not think Miami played bad defense on the last play.
0: All right, 215 592 94 94. Sam and Mark, do me a favor. Hang in there. Uh, coming back, we are going to talk some baseball with Scott Lauber of The Inquirer, and then we will uh, get to those calls. And you, coming up with Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn now on 94 WIP. All right, well, that was a key hit in yesterday's game as the Phillies end up beating the Braves 2 to 1. Trey Turner with that double and uh we are going to talk to scott lauber of the philadelphia Inquirer. his terrific job covering the phillies and that gives us uh, opportunity to ask scott do we see signs scott lauber the trey turner who has had such a tough season so far that he said his mother said she was booing him <laughs> do we see signs that he's finally turning this thing around and will be the guy they thought they were signing
9: yeah um good morning guys yeah i, I... I do. I think so. Look, it's been a pretty good week for him. Um, obviously the big home run on Wednesday at home to tie that game, that being the highlight of the week. But, you know, there were some signs early in the week, Rob Thompson points to a 10 pitch at bat last Sunday. Um, didn't result in a hit, but he thought, look, really good at bat. Maybe that was a sign. And then he had a few good at bats prior to that home run where he hit the ball really hard and didn't have anything to show for it. Um you know, somebody um, asked me after that game on Wednesday, like, do you think it's going to get the Phillies going? And I said, well, I don't know about if it'll get the Phillies going because, you know, obviously a lot of things have to happen um, to get the team going on the kind of run that they want to get on. But will it get Trey Turner going? And that was kind of what I wondered. Then I saw him go 0 for 5 on Friday on a Thursday night in Atlanta and thought, well, there's the answer to that question. But he's had a really good last couple of games, had the big hit yesterday, and Yeah, I do. I think we see some signs. I mean, there's nothing for the Phillies to go on other than Trey Turner's track record, and he's had a track record of some slow starts before, never this slow, but uh, he's always come back and been the player that they know him to be, so um, they believe that they'll get that guy um, sooner than later, and, and maybe we're starting to see it a little bit here this week.
1: All right, I'm going to stick with the offense because this one befuddles me, and Glenn and I talked about it earlier because we're talking about rule changes in baseball and how effective they've been, and one that I liked and it hasn't paid the dividends with an individual Philly player that I thought it would. Kyle Schwarber's hitting $1. sixty-six, yeah. And I said at the beginning of the season, Schwarber's average will go up by at least 30 points because of the no-shift defense that Major League Baseball now has to play, that some of the line drive shots that go to the second baseman, standing in short right field, will now be hits for Kyle Schwarber. So watch his uh, average go up significantly. It's going backwards. It's going the other way. Any explanation there, Scotty Lauber?
9: My only explanation is, because, Jody, I thought the same thing you did, and I think we probably talked about it um, a bunch uh, in the offseason, like who was going to benefit from – from the rules changes and, you know, Schwarber was somebody who you, you kind of circled and said, well, yep. you know, some of those balls through the that, that got gobbled up in shallow right field are going to go for hits now through the four-hole, three-four-hole, and they haven't happened. And my only explanation is that he's just not that kind of hitter. And look, last year was our, our first opportunity to watch him every day. I mean, we'd all seen him before in Chicago and Washington and Um, But to see him every day last year, you kind of got the feeling that he was going to benefit from this, but he's just not that kind of hitter. He's a three true outcome kind of hitter. He's a walk strikeout home run guy. And, you know, the three true outcome guy was probably not going to benefit from the shift rule because he doesn't get a whole lot of base hits. He hits the ball out of the ballpark or he reaches on a walk or he ends up striking out. And he is a guy who strikes out a lot. Mm -hmm. He is a guy who walks a lot and he does go deep a lot. So, I guess that's my only explanation. I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it feels like, you know, single digits, like maybe one or two hits that wouldn't have been hits last year that he's gotten hits on this year. So it just hasn't happened for him. Obviously the batting average bears that out. Um, so I'm just left to conclude that he's just, he's not the kind of hitter who's going to get hits through that four hole, no matter what, um, whether there's a shift in play or not.
0: Scott Lauber is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at Scott Lauber. Uh, L-A-U-B-E-R. You had a uh, really good story this week about the Phillies' limited options for what they could do for a fifth starter. I mean, we can get into the rest of the rotation coming up, but let's go there because you you looked at the guys down in the minor leagues, particularly Griff McGarry. Um, Maybe Dylan Covey will shock us all today and be great. Uh, Maybe Bailey Falter will find something that I haven't seen before. But the projected forward, as if the Phillies stay in contention, short of a trade, who can who can help? Where can it come from?
9: Yeah, I mean, I kind of looked around the league, and and the Phillies are not alone. They're not the they're hardly the only team, right, that has a fifth starter issue. Um, they just they're in Atlanta, and the Braves have a fifth starter issue. I mean, on Thursday night they started I saw that yeah. uh, Dylan Dodd, and um, you know. Uh, and then they started Schuster the other night. So they've got actually a four- and five-starter issue because they've had some injuries with Freed and, and Wright. So, look, the Phillies are not the only team that's got a fifth-starter issue. The difference is that they don't have the reserves to go down and grab to fill that hole. Like, the the Braves have issues. They can go get Dylan Dodd. They can go get Michael Soroka. They can go get some of their kids in AAA, and they've got a rich farm system that's that's high in upper-level talent. The Dodgers have had issues. They can go get Bobby Miller. They can go get Gavin Stone. Um, You know, the Phillies don't really have that because McGarry began the season injured and he's made three starts now for Redding. The last one was really good this week. I was told earlier in the week that he's going to stay at Redding for the for the foreseeable future, build him back up as a starter because he's only throwing like I think he threw 55 pitches or so in his last start. So they obviously still have a way to go to get him built up back again as a full strength starter. Uh, But he's a name I still say keep an eye on because I think once he gets there, you know, if he gets to 85, 90 pitches, let's say two starts from now, um, you know, they may be able to jump him over AAA and bring him to the big leagues if he looks good. So I think keep an eye on him. Um, But there's really not much else there. I mean, Christopher Sanchez has not had a good year. Michael Plassmeyer has not had a good year. These were depth starters at the beginning of the year, guys that they thought were their number six or seven or eight starter and they have not been good. Um, uh, so that's why they needed to go and make a waiver claim on Dylan Covey. And, look, no offense to Dylan Covey, and maybe he does, as you said, surprise us all, but, like, a year ago, a guy was pitching in Taiwan, you know, and he's he's a guy that um, drew some interest on the waiver wire because pitching is thin everywhere. So the Phillies are hopeful, but, again, I think to suggest that he's going to be the answer long term, I think it's it's more like he's sort of the bridge, yeah, so I agree. He's the bridge to get them to McGarry or the bridge. And just bridge just real quick them. follow.
0: No yeah. no uh you did not mention Andrew Painter, so we don't expect to see him anytime soon.
9: No, no time soon. I mean he's he's uh he threw what they call like a short bullpen, which is like from on the rubber or on the mound I should say, but from fifty five uh from uh, from uh uh fifty five feet, not sixty feet, so it's it's complicated, but it's sort of part of the process that they get to. So he's not off a mound. From, from 60 feet, six inches yet. So it's going to be a while. And he's going to go on a minor league assignment, or I should say pitch in the minor leagues, before he uh, he comes to the big league. So I think if you're looking to probably sometime late July, early August at the earliest, I would imagine, and maybe even a little later than that.
1: Let me ask you a McGarry follow-up, because the Phillies have shown with the way that they've handled uh, their fifth starter to start the season – Correctly, moving him to the bullpen where he's been real good, but when asked could they go back to him in the rotation, they've stood on, listen, he only threw 44 innings last year. We're not going to overtax this guy, and uh, it's just not going to happen. McGarry's uh, a couple of years in the minors, he's never thrown more than 82 innings. By the time they get him built up, he's going to be out of innings for the year because the Phillies seem to hold tight with this. We're not going to ask someone to do something they haven't done before. What What is McGarry going to be able to give him? He's looked good, but you tell me they're going slow on him. When they do say, all right, now he's good enough for the big league, what's going to be left in the tank? Well, that's part of the calculus,
9: right? That's, that's also part of why I say that, like, you know, if two, three starts from now, he's at 85, 90 pitches, pitching like a full-fledged starter. That I could see them, and if he's pitching well, I could see them jumping him over Triple A for that. Partially for that reason, right? You want to, if you're going to get innings from him in the big leagues, you don't want to waste them in Triple A on development. You know, I think there's a thought that you know maybe he's he could be ready sooner. Like the good thing about McGarry, I suppose, is that he didn't pitch. He missed April, so he didn't pitch in April, and now that he's building up, it's been what two innings, three innings. It's it's a short. You know, it's a short burst at a time to get him built up. So, again, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I, I mean, I am I venture to guess he's pitched like maybe 15 innings. Not So, far this year.
1: so Yeah, he's, so he's, he's under that. He's 10. Yeah, 10. So he's got a,
9: a way to go before he gets to whatever the number is going to be. And, and you know, generally the rule of thumb is a 30% increase year over year is considered a safe increase. So if he threw 80 innings last year, 30% of that, you know, he's, he was going to be up around or over 100 innings this year. So there should be a little bit of runway there to get him to the big leagues with with innings. Uh, you know, for that matter, you know, for this season at least, maybe the painter issues are a blessing in disguise as well because, you know, we talked about this in spring, you know, in spring training before he got hurt, that he wasn't going to be able – it was going to be hard to see him start the season in the rotation and finish it there without a break in, in the middle or without yeah. having to shut him down at some point. So he obviously will get nowhere near the number of innings this year that he was going to get before he got hurt. So maybe it's a case where you can get him back in August, you've got a little bit of room to play with him, and maybe he could be an X factor for you down the stretch. Same with McGarry. Um, Maybe he could be an X factor for you from, let's say, July 4th on um, if he pitches well and gets built up.
0: Scott, good stuff. So before we let you go, we've been uh, kind of having a theme today on what rule changes you would make if you were in charge of everything. Baseball mm-hmm. made a slew of them going into this year. I-, I think it's great. I think Jody agrees with me. I'm imagining you enjoy the fact that uh, games end a half hour quicker since you yeah, got to write about love them. love it. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> nobody likes you. this more than, than baseball writers, yeah. But if uh, if Scott Lauber became commissioner tomorrow, again, something I would probably endorse over the current choice, uh, what rule change would you enact? So I would uh, I would do something about the
9: baseball, to be honest with you. Um, I think this is the big, one of the biggest problems with the game right now is that um, the baseball has changed. And this is just over the last few years. And one of the things they haven't been able to figure out, no matter how much they've changed the baseball, is is being able to put some tack on that ball so that um pitchers can get a grip without having to use sticky stuff, without having to get their hands checked between innings, which is not a, i g I don't care what you say, I know we've seen it now for a couple of years, it's not a good look. You know, I know Scott Boris has talked about this. Like, can't mm-hmm. we get them down in the tunnel before we like look at their like you're essentially openly accusing them of perhaps cheating. Like to the extent that we have to check you. Yeah you know what, if you put tack on the ball and they do this in Japan and they've done this in other places, you can avoid the whole sticky stuff issue completely because you can reach a point where the ball is sticky enough as it is for them to get the proper grip, but not too much of a grip, right, where they can do things to the ball. I would take a look at the baseball because the baseball to me is as big a problem as the game has. Um, It's one of the reasons why offense has varied so much over the last few years. How is it wound? Where's the center? This and that. Baseball was playing with two different kinds of balls in 2021, I believe. There was a different ball at the beginning of the year than at the end of the year. I mean, it's the baseball. Like, if you can't uh, regulate the actual ball you're playing with, doesn't the rest of it kind of not matter? So That's I would stuff. take a look at the ball and figure that out.
0: And stripping down the pitchers, is that, that whole thing with the pitchers is a bad look. Doesn't I, look I, good. It, yeah, it is. Scott, good stuff. Always good stuff. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Lauber. Read him in the Enquirer. Thanks for being our guest, man. You bet, guys. Anytime. Thanks, right, Scotty. See, talk to you soon. I agree with him on that. It's just it's a weird thing a pitcher leaves and they check his hands and stuff and so on. And, like, yeah, just put it on the ball, leave it there.
1: I you know, It used to bother me more than it does now because uh, I think the pitchers have uh, realized that they're going to get caught. So there are less that are willing to push the envelope to the very edge of the table. The fact that they get it done in, like, four seconds is is actually yeah, okay I with me. He just comes over, like you look at the glove, you, 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 you you're boom, done. I feel it's, like it's they're being four, accused it's of a four crime. Seconds.
0: Yeah, I know. Anyway, I, I don't know. I feel like it's like you walk out of a store and they check you for
1: shoplifting and you didn't do anything. Nah, I'm okay. That's Mike. That's my. You're, you're, I know that you're guilty by association. If you've never been a cheater, it probably bothers you. But uh, four seconds. Uh, if they okay. had him uh, like. Who was it? I forget. What Was it a Phillies game or another game I was watching? They actually made the guy, like, pull his pants away from his uniform. Yeah, Because they remember thought that. they had it in his pants. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a little yeah. over the top. Yes. But usually it's take off your hat, let me look at your glove, boom, done. Four seconds and we're moving on. All
0: right. Let's get Sam and Lafayette Hill. Thanks for hanging, Sam. What's on your mind?
10: Um, hi. I've got to get
0: the uh... – Uh-oh. Sammy's phone went bad. You there, Sam? Still Try there, Sam. again.
10: Sam. I
0: am here. Okay, we lost you for a second. Go ahead. Start from the beginning. What's on your mind?
10: Um, First of all, love the show. Uh, Jody, wasn't sure about you coming on, and I've uh, come to really like you, so for what that's worth. Um, A rule change. I'm an avid golfer. Hit your ball in the fairway, and if you're in a divot, I think you ought to be able to move it. Uh, It's ground under repair. It should be. Jack Nicklaus has long advocated for that change. Um, Seems sensible to me, but I don't know how you guys
0: feel. I'm for anything that makes golf easier. And quicker. Yeah. And quicker. So, yes. You got, yeah, Sam, six, you got
10: my vote. Okay. All right. On the Sixers, um, you know, I'm sorry. You know, people are going to disagree with me. I know. I'm a Doc Rivers fan. After Popovich, he's got the best record regular season playoff in terms of uh, games won. I think he's a cerebral coach, he can't take the shots. He can tell Harden to, in game six to throw the ball to Embiid in the last four minutes. He can't make him do it. Um, I just think, uh, you know, that wasn't the problem. And when I compare the possible candidates for Doc, I, I'm not sure we're going to do better.
0: Okay. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. The ship sailed, so.
10: Yeah, well, I know.
0: You're but... waving goodbye to it, but you, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you got it off your chest. I well, like you, your you think change.
10: there's somebody who's going to do better than Doc that we're going to hire?
0: I don't know, uh, and, and and thanks for the call. Jody, uh, I'm a Nick Nurse guy. He would be my choice of it. I think he. one of the things I like about him is he was so damn good at defending Embiid that I think maybe he'll be able to coach him well to get the most out of him. I think he is a uh, coach who's not afraid of calling out his players, which maybe I just like because I'm a talk show host, but I kind of like that. Won a championship his rookie season. Uh, he, he was my guy. You got a um, guy?
1: I'm a Nick Nurse guy, too, uh, and I thought it was very interesting that Milwaukee hired a rookie head coach, Adrian Griffin, yesterday, who I remember back to his playing days at Seton Hall. He's a pretty damn good pirate (laughs) as a college player (laughs) before he became an NBA guy, before he became an NBA assistant, and uh, a lot of people I know have said good things about him, and he is a smart guy and a, a guy who players like to follow and like to lead, and that I heard last night from one of my NBA insiders, that this was a Giannis call that they had Giannis meet with all their prospective potential coaches. And I didn't even know he had any kind of contact with Adrian Griffin. uh, So that's a key reason why he got the job. But I was a little surprised that Milwaukee on the cusp of being an NBA contender, shoot, they won the title two years ago. Going with a rookie coach was a little nerdy. That surprised me. That's a good point. And, oh, by the way, Mac, I, I just wondering, have I not been doing this for a while? Our caller said, "I think didn't he, know he, about I, you, Jody.
0: I think he might have inferred you or implied you and I working together again.
1: Oh, we only did that seven and a half years well, together, I,
0: but I, I can't. I, I like this golf answer. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Let's get Mark and Lansdale. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, Mark. Hey." Uh...
11: Jody, stick with it, young Buck. I th- I think you got the chops. You might, make. Thanks, make. buddy. I appreciate
1: the future confidence you have in me. Thank you, you very go. much. <laughs> um, my
11: sports rule change come up in a second, just real quick. Uh, Trey Turner, uh, he's got to step it up a little bit. Okay, he isn't the big guy who is coming in with all the pressure to save the team. Okay. He's meant to be a good cog in the wheel. Um, And to me, he should be picking it up a little bit more. Um, So,
0: Nobody's going to argue that. No.
11: Yeah. Uh, My sports rule change. I used to like hockey a lot more than I do now. Uh, I still feel like it should be two points for a win, nothing for a loss. But with the overtime... They decided to give to me the nearest thing to a participation trophy in professional sports, <laughs> which is, eh, if you go overtime, instead of, hey, it's overtime, it's exciting, it's winner take all, you know, the two points, loser gets nothing, uh, you get a point for trying. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I hear you. Uh, that's, I'd that's... say it's either, either go back to, you know, two points for a win, nothing for a loss, or soccer – Actually has it right, I think, which is three points for a win, and if you have a, a, a you know an overtime win, yeah, you're only going to get two points, and if it, an overtime loss, maybe well,
0: Now you're get getting one. a little now. Now I would not agree with that because now it's getting a little confusing and complex, and I'm I'm not there.
1: Not up, uh, not up to doing that much math, Glenn?
0: Three plus two plus zero <laughs> plus one. Come on. <laughs> I'm trying and, to get away from that in sports.
1: And, oh, by the way, if we went back to that, we would lose the phrase, the all-important point on the road. Uh, I it, it it first came to fruition when yes they started awarding points for just getting to overtime. But the I've loved that phrase forever. Got to get that all important point on the road, even if you're losing it. It Makes you feel better about a game that you've lost or blown. Hey, but at least we got the all important point on the road. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Coming up,
0: we're going to give you uh, this week in Philadelphia sports history, boy. There's some great. Great events that occurred uh, on this date or in this week in the past. We're going to run you through some of those great memories and take your calls. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Macnow. Hey, you're tired of dealing with those old, inefficient windows in your house? Maybe it's time to go, Guida. How about that drafty, beat-up-looking entry door? Man, you've painted over that thing so many times. Look, go, Gida. If you need added protection from the elements with the new storm door, go, Gida. What about that sliding patio door, the garage door you've been meaning to replace? Go, Guida. Whatever your home improvement needs are, I suggest you go Guida with the great people at Guida Door and Window. To help get your project started, Guida is offering 20% off all windows and doors while allowing you to start your project with no money down. And up to three full years to pay them off interest-free. That's right. Receive 20% instant savings with the luxury of paying off your project interest-free for up to 36 months. Restrictions apply. Offers for a limited time. Hey, what are you waiting for? It's time you finally go Guida. Call today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Jody McDonald, Glenn now 94 WIP. We'll get your calls in, so if you're on hold, stick there. But, Jody, this uh, we haven't done this week in Philadelphia sports history for a while. And I was actually looking at the book I have, which is called This Day in Philadelphia Sports, written by our old pal Brian Startari and Kevin Reavy, which is a great source for me. Cool. And a lot of things happen on this time in Philadelphia sports history. So the first one I'm going to take you to, Jody, is – uh tomorrow February 29th or February geez May May pardon me May 29th 1991 and this shocker I remember I was at a Memorial Day barbecue when all of a sudden this came on my TV
2: <clears throat> Some 18 years ago I left Dayton Ohio with two very bad knees and a dream to become a Major League Baseball player. (laughs) I thank God the dream
1: came true.
0: 18 years with the franchise, greatest player in the history of the franchise, greatest third baseman in the history of the sport. Realized he did not have it anymore. I think he had made an error out in San Diego, and he just said, I'm done. Uh, He took some heat because of the crying but man uh, you know you show emotion and it was it was a moving moment you remember that one
1: i do and yeah i was a newbie in philadelphia at the time and i took E too because i defended mike uh, schmidt uh, tremendously because the two guys when uh, the phillies were uh, first becoming a major factor in major league baseball were Schmidt and Carlton, right? Those were the two guys. They had had a lot of other great players. But the two Hall of Famers who were making the Phillies relevant were Schmidt and Carlton. And Steve Carlton pitching for the San Francisco Giants and the Cleveland Indians and the Minnesota Twins and the Chicago White Sox, and he's relegated to being a long reliever. I thought that was just sad. Steve Carlton had to be lefty. He had to be a dominant pitcher. And, uh, hey, I'm not going to judge anybody else. And they can do what they want with their life and their career is their career. And I appreciate those who always say, you're going to have to rip the uniform off the back of my, the jersey off the back of my uh, neck. But that, I just, I had such a tough time watching those type games. Mike Schmidt knew he didn't have any more. So I got to go.
0: Right. I can't do it. I'm done. I agree. All right, Jody, also, as of tomorrow, on this date, May 29th, tomorrow, 2010, well, Roy Halladay spun one for the ages.
1: Back up onto the mound, tucks the baseball in his right hand, now into the glove, holds it in front of the letters, nods yes, the wind, the one-two pitch, Swinging a ground ball, left side, Castro's got it, spins, throws, yeah. he got him! A perfect game for Roy Halladay! 27 up and 27 down. Halliday is mopped at the mound as the Phillies celebrate perfection tonight in Miami.
0: Now, I remember that one for a different reason. Uh, by the way, great call by Fransky. Absolutely. Great, jo- great job by L.A., just giving that little punctuation. Um, I was in Chicago that night because the Flyers were in game one of the Stanley Cup finals against the Blackhawks. Really? Yes, which the, the station sent us out there. We did our shows out there and the uh the flyers lost six to five in overtime it was it was not it was a, it was not a classic but um so i'm in the I'm in the press box, and it's before everybody could just stream whatever was on right,
1: right. on your phone. you don't have to worry about it what what about the phone and you can see whatever you need
0: right so what you have is this press box full of guys who have laptops. And they all, you know, all of a sudden it's like as the Flyers are playing Chicago, everybody who's from Philadelphia becomes aware of what's going on with the, with the Phillies. And so they call on their laptop. But it was the thing where you just get like the still image, the picture of the guy, and then it will refresh and say, like, ground out to third base, two outs. As <laughs>
1: so They're all watching that.
0: But that was – uh, With
1: the spinning wheel in between? Yeah, that's
0: it. Yes, yes. But that I was Halliday's that. no-hitter. And then he had the no – perfect game. And then he had the no-hitter in the World Series. I, he was so great. I just All I wish is that we had gotten to, to have him uh, longer, his greatness, longer as a Philly. Agreed. I, yeah. Okay, means... next. We are going to move to what will be this Wednesday, the 31st, and I take you back to 1983. I think you know what this one's going to be.
1: The game is far from over. Now, Kevin Lockery's been in a lot of down-of-the-wire games where amazing things can happen in the careen knocked away by cheeks and a steal cheeks will use up the clock go yeah. and that may do it and look at the sixer bench they, they know that defense so right again that defense comes up with the big play magic johnson misses a three-pointer and the philadelphia 76ers maurice cheeks quiet knows they're going to be the world yeah. champions folks and billy's done it
0: finally yeah, and uh what what happens on that play is Cheeks gets the ball and uh is that that's Stockton, right? Dick Stockton?
5: Thing. I I'm
1: guessing that those two announcers were Dick Stockton and Bill Russell. Bill Russell,
0: Yeah, I think so. And Dick Stockton says like, "Oh, they're just going to, you know, Cheeks is going to run out the time and Cheeks goes and has a dunk, which Mo Cheeks never dunked." Right. But he did. And the Sixers won the title and Jody, that was 40 stinking years ago. <laughs> Most of our listeners were either not alive or too young to know about that one.
1: It it doesn't seem like it was 40 years ago, but it has been. And that's the pain that the Sixer fans carry. Hey, you're talking to a Jet fan. So uh, I I know you're paying Sixers fans. I've only been a Sixer fan for 30-some-odd years. Not the full 40 when I moved here in 1990, became a Sixer fan right away. So I haven't suffered as much, but suffered enough. Yeah, that's one of those bittersweet things, Glenn. You can remember it. You can smile if you were old enough and born and watched it and lived it. More power to you. But, yeah, it's been 40 stinking years for this yeah, actress.
0: Yeah, what a team that was. All right, and finally, Jody, this one's this one's a little more oddball than the others. Uh, this is the anniversary of this will be Friday the 2nd. i got to see what year this was. I think it, I, we might have been working together when, when this one happened. Bear with me. I'm sorry. I'm turning pages in my book here. Okay. It was 2002.
1: No. I was, uh, we, uh, we're not uh, working at, together. Out of dodge
0: by that. All right. well, anyway, the Phillies are playing at the vet. Harry the K is on the call, and here you go. That's well
2: hit. It is going to be a grand slam home run. Robert
1: Person. Robert Person with his first hit of the year has given the Phillies a 7 to nothing lead. Can you believe it? Wow. The Phillies were
12: hitting about a buck
1: 20 with the bases loaded this year. And who has to come through for them with the first
8: extra base hit? Robert first. Person.
0: By the way, L.A. Um, yep. The only thing that's familiar is they were hitting a buck 20 with the with men on base or bases loaded. Still doing that one. Robert Person hits a grand slam and a three-run home run, pitches five shutout winnings, and the Phillies beat the Expos 18-3 at the vet.
1: Yeah, and he could only go five innings because he was so tired from his <laughs> offensive bust-out of 2 yeah, over. and bases, seven RBIs. Was, yeah, got all right. tuckered out. <laughs> he, Pull him after five and man. dive.
0: That's right. He was, he was not a svelte guy. <laughs>
1: But you know what, Glenn? He was a good hitter. I do remember that. That was not like, oh, my God, this guy never hit another hit, and he got two home runs in one game. Robert Person was a pretty good – back when pitchers hit, he was a pretty good hitting pitcher.
0: Yeah, well, there you go. Pretty momentous week in Philadelphia sports history. By the way, yesterday uh, was the anniversary, which I get reminded of every year. 48 years ago yesterday, the Flyers beat the Buffalo Sabres for their second Stanley Cup. I was in the seats in Buffalo as a teenager in the cheap orange seats upstairs of the odd having my heart broken by Bernie Perant. Bernie Perant is now one of my best friends and always, always, always calls me on that anniversary to oh, remind Did he me.
1: call you yesterday? Uh,
0: oh, yeah. He called me yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. He always uh, and he, always, oh, like, you he love always Birdie. he gives me like the sarcastic apology. Like, I'm so sorry, so I was... broke your. Head. Yeah, yeah yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He
1: called me yesterday. Can you hear the laughter in his voice? As he says I, that to smile, you, the
0: smile, the crinkle of the smile is definitely oh, that's in, funny. in that conversation. Anyway, all right, let's get to Mike in in San Antonio, Texas. Mike, what uh, what possesses you to call from that far away?
2: Well, I've been listening to you guys a long time. I was sitting on my couch listening to you guys and. 1991 when that Mike Schmidt stuff came through. You guys bring out great nostalgia. So I love you guys. Uh, Jody I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, Trey Turner and maybe a lineup change. I think a guy like that is so hyper and thin and fast he needs to be in the leadoff spot and just let him go like they let Schwarber go last year. What are your thoughts on the lineup affecting his play?
1: Well, first, second not that big a deal. Um, first is first, and second second. But if you're batting at the top of the lineup, it's pretty damn close. And if uh, on a particular day in a particular matchup, right-handed pitcher, you're going to put Stott up top, I I can't really complain about it. Um, no, if if you're just trying to jumpstart Turner, I drop him down in the lineup. Now, he's picked it up this week, so I don't think any changes or any offing. But if he goes into another prolonged slump, instead I would drop him down rather than move him back up to one.
2: Well, they did that with Schwarber this year. But, um, yeah, I I just think they set up the plan this year for him to, to start there and now Harper's back. I just would love to get your two best hitters. Long term, the data says the two best hitters, Harper and Turner, at the front and make those pitchers, the other, other team's pitchers see them the most. I there just is think that, that the uh, most.
0: And, and thank you, Mike. I appreciate the call. There is that change of philosophy in baseball in the recent years, Jody. And, again, it's analytics-driven, which doesn't mean it's right or it's wrong, that your best hitter should bat number two, which I'm fine with with uh, Bryce
1: Harper in number two. Uh, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that your best hitter, how do you define your best hitter?
0: Oh, highest combination of, of uh, on-base and slugging, OPS, I would guess.
1: OPS, your best OPS guy should be number two. And no, I'd still rather have my best OPS guy be my third hitter. If they get the first two guys on, a guy you knock it out to a three-run homer instead of a two-run homer. So uh, I, I, this is an analytically-based decision. I would, While while I see the merit of it, I would not be strict and hard in following it. I would move it down by one. I still think the number three spot in the lineup is the most important spot.
0: All right, let's get Robert in Germantown up here. Robert, you want to talk a little flyers, a little rule change? Yes, guys. Uh, by the way, I was just by your brewery, just by accident. I was checking out a little Brazilian bakery in Concha I know that bakery. That bakery is great, and their products taste tremendous when paired with a nice <laughs> IPA.
4: There
6: you go.
12: <laughs> yeah, I saw it sitting there. I said, You know, i got to check out your place sometime. I never have. But I apologize Please do. for that. Please do. I consider it done. Um, hockey, there's a kid from Winnipeg that they could get at seven, but people are complaining. He's only five foot nine. He's only like just turned eighteen. But who cares if he's like five foot nine? I remember watching a five foot nine guy called Yvonne Cornway chair of the league.
0: I think he was about five seven, by the way. Uh and that was a that was a long time ago. But yeah. If a guy is a very, very special talent, he can overcome size. Um, you know, I can't speak to a prospect's abilities, but yeah, I, I, I support the
1: short guy. And, oh, yeah. by the way, I, I didn't hear it, but I heard that Glenn McNeil and Mike Sielski had Danny Briere on as the yeah. general manager, the flyer yeah. yesterday. And if I'm not too mistaken, Danny Briere isn't quite 6'4". So correct. if the new general manager has any say about it, I don't think they will pass on a guy solely because he's only five foot nine. Tremendous point, Jody.
0: Tremendous <laughs> point. Robert, what's the rule change you would like?
12: You know, forever, guys. I think we should go with the college rule and let them have one foot in bounce when they catch the football. I think Agreed. it would really make the game that much more exciting. So Very much agree.
0: And, so. and would cut down on the number of reviews, which I, I like. Jody, you like that one?
1: I'm okay with that. You know, they changed the rule in college for this upcoming season. It kind of slid under the radar because it's off season and people aren't paying attention, and this isn't a big college football area, but. They're not going to have the stoppage of the clock on first downs going forward yes, in college football good. this year.
0: Good. So, game college games won't take six hours?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Robert, I like it. That's a very good rule change suggestion. Could yet win the prize, which we we're giving out, which is tickets to my charity event, which is coming up June 8th at Puddler's Kitchen and TAP uh, in Bridgeport. Franski and L.A. Beer. I'll tell you in the next segment, but uh, we'll, we'll give you the details of that. But that, that is a contender. All right. We're going to gonna we're gonna take a quick break, come back, squeeze a couple calls in, talk to our producer, Dan Wilson, find out what we forgot to talk about. We'll hand it over to Al Morgani, Rob Ellis. Like that pairing. Ooh,
1: and I got a I got an Al Morgani point when we come back.
0: Love to hear that. All
1: coming up on 94 WIP. All right. Uh, I think that everyone will enjoy my Al Morgani point. Uh, point, including Juan Al Morgani if he's coming up here next. Uh, hey, the Bet Parks Casino on Sportsbook app is the only app I continue to recommend and play with. On altogether too frequent a basis. The BetParks Sportsbook app is proud to partner with the PGA and the official betting partner of the Memorial Tournament presented by Workday. Right now, you new users, if you never played with Parks before, you haven't listened to me in four years to say, you know, I gotta download that BetParks app. Uh, if you make your first wager a $10 wager and you hit, you're a winner. How about $125 in a sportsbook bonus back? Bet golf, baseball, pro uh, basketball, playoffs, NHL, hockey, uh, Stanley Cup, Chase, soccer, MMA. The selections are off the charts. It's safe. It's easy to use. You've got to check it out. Downloading the app doesn't you your thing. Check out the offerings. And if you want to play, jump on in. Join me right now. Live in-game betting, same-game parlays, much, much more. Bet more than just a score. Player props. If we're talking hoops, the NBA Finals. Uh, points, assists, rebounds in uh, baseball, night in, night out, home run, strikeouts. It just gives you more action with your action. And you new users make that $10 sports bet to start and get $125 in a sports book bonus back if your first bet's a winner. BetParks.com has all the terms and conditions, new users, and winning bets only. Sports bonus must be wagered once. See website for details. Join with me. Have some fun adding action to your action with the BetParks Sportsbook app. And, of course, Phillies
0: Braves coming up later today on 94 WIPs. The Phillies try to win three out of four in a row, which would be pretty good behind. Well, with a matchup with uh, D- Dylan Covey, not to be confused with Britton Covey, uh, going against uh, Spencer Strider. Odds don't look great, but you never know. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mac.
1: Now, you had an Al Morgani story to share? Yes. Here's the question I have for you. You should be able to answer this as well as anybody else, maybe even more so than the aforementioned Mr. Morgani. Since Keith Jones is now the president, what's his official title with the Flyers? He is the president of hockey operations. President of hockey operations. If Jonesy can get a gig with the Flyers, why can't Al? Now, I know he does the the pre- and post-game stuff. That's a Comcast thing. It's not the Flyers directly. And I was trying to think, what job would Al be suited for? And the first thing that came to mind for me was uh, our buddy John Brazier with the Phillies is the director of fun and games. Yes. And I said, that would be a great title for Al. Make him the director of fun and games. And then I stopped and realized, no, the only one who has fun around Al is Al. Because he's always pulling some kind of prank on everybody. Director of fun and games is the most to make everybody Have more fun and do so through games. Al only has fun for himself, so I scrapped the whole idea so he's out. We need to keep him on WIP.
0: Al's a Hall of Famer, man. Al is in the Professional Hockey Hall of Fame. So, Al, if I'm hiring Al, I'd give Al a hockey job. I I trust Al's hockey acumen.
1: Okay, not fun and games, though, because he'll just no, be No, no, prank, Jonesy so. could have <laughs> done fun and games. <laughs> and but, they gave him a pretty serious gig, so yeah, absolutely. maybe they'd come up with something for Al, too. Let's talk to Luke in
0: Westchester. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, Luke.
12: Hey, Hey, I don't know what's more painful, first of all, is watching the Sixers just kind of lay down and die, or watching Boston uh come back from a 3 deficit. I, I
0: am, I've never been a Miami Heat fan in my life, but right now I'm really a Miami Heat fan. Seriously, it's
12: like, man, you think they're putting them away and then they just keep coming back. I know. But um, with the Phillies, I, I was just kind of lately watching these guys and how they just, especially on offense, they can't really string anything together. Um, we have a good roster. We have a lot of talent on the roster, so I'm just wondering – you know, especially for a guy like Schwarber, why it's just impossible for him to even swing for contact ever. It's either a strikeout or a home run, and right now it's pretty much just strikeout. So I didn't know if you guys thought.
0: Jody, this,
1: this one's all else. yours because I, well, I, I have no solution. He's got 12 home runs, so it's not like he's always striking out, but he's striking out too yeah. much, and he is what he is. And I hope you heard Scott Lauberon earlier with us who just said, Jody, throw up your hands. That's what he is. Yeah. He's not. I I correctly, incorrectly said, watch his average improve by 30 points. No, it's gone backwards by 30 points because of the no shift. That's just Schwarber. You take him for what he is. If you don't like it, can't have that kind of player on your team. All right, then trade him. Move off him. But he is the player that he is. He's a career
0: 229 hitter, which is, you know, pretty, pretty damn low. Uh, at this point, 220, so 229 kind of, would be more than we could ask for.
1: Yeah.
12: Yeah, I guess more so I'm just kind of worried that with such a good roster, we can't really seem to string some wins together and actually show that we can compete well. Um, being in fourth place in the division is just – it doesn't seem uh, to it, it's, fit, it's
0: unacceptable. You know? I hear you. What's your rule change? Um, well, this is kind of
12: reverting back to an old rule, but I, I really miss watching uh, and playing football and everything. I miss watching kickoffs. And seeing what people could do and you know, players like Priest Holmes and uh, you know, these 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 return men that were just. Devin amazing. Well Haster. that's what
0: that's what we started with and that's and thanks for the call. That's kinda how we got into the topic. All right, so Jody, we gotta pick a winner here. I wrote down the ones that I that I liked the best. If there's any I missed that you like, let me know. Um, Sam and Lafayette Hill talked about the golf divot, which basically makes it faster and easier. Um, Robert in Germantown had the one foot in in the NFL in receptions, which I would thoroughly agree with. And Mike in Yardley had one with which I disagree, but we got a great conversation off it, which was abolishing the tush push. So I'll let you pick the winner.
1: Well, you know, I'm going to abolish the tush push guy, but I won't take that because that's too easy. Um, yeah, I, the I, I'm torn about the one foot, two foot. Because the two-foot toe tap is great. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you have to have the skill to get both feet down, I don't know if it would be lessened by only making it one foot. I feared that it would. So by process of elimination, I'm going with the first one you said. Um, The tush push or the golf. That was the last one you said. The golf.
0: The golf, yes. golf. The golf one. Sam and lafayette hill is the winner congratulations to you so here's the deal sam uh you win a pair of tickets to uh my charity event which is june 8th puddler's kitchen and tap in concha and in, not in concha in bridgeport from 6 to 9 p.m it's concha brewing company uh it's you can uh it, it's the release party for Fransky in la bedlam at the bank golden ale uh, all the money goes to the philadelphia youth sports collaborative which is a terrific charity uh, $20 gets anybody in that night, and it is going to be open. You don't have to get tickets in advance. You can show up that night. $20 gets you in. Plus, that gives you the buffet. Uh, then you buy a lot of beer. There's going to be a book signing. There's going to be auction items. Uh, uh, Jody, are you going to be able to make it that Absol- night?
1: Well, as of right now, the answer is yes. Okay. You know my schedule Beautiful. needs to stay flexible, yeah. but I am making every effort to stay available that night.
0: There you go. Jody, you can come and drink beers with Jody McDonald um uh, Fransky in LA will be there of course Bernie Peroncho, Conklin we're going to have a nice nice group of people out there that night uh and a lot of fun and again it all goes to a terrific charity That You know June. who I'm
1: look, you know who I'm looking to hang with? Who? Tyler Kepner Yeah, New York Times. He said he's coming. I haven't seen Tyler Kepner in in years, but when I put him on my national show a couple of weeks ago, he goes, and, Jody, we're going to be hanging out at McNeil's. I said, oh, you're kidding. You're coming. So Tyler Kepner, one of the best baseball writers in the country, will be there as well. Great guy, and we hope we see other people there.
0: All right, let us find out what we forgot to talk about. With our producer, Dan Wilson, who had a rule change that we didn't get to, Dan. Yeah, so I
13: have a few that I was going to actually rattle off you guys that were not mentioned. Uh, just You can give a quick yay or nay, whether you agree. So the one I was talking to you about, Glenn, uh, the touchback rule, specifically when someone fumbles out of the end zone. If the guy is at the one-yard line and the ball goes out of the back of the end zone, that it's not a turnover to the other team at the one. one.
0: It, it's one of my biggest ones, which is the offense is carrying the ball, the guy fumbles, and the ball goes to the other team. It just seems I disagree with it. I I. Thoroughly think you are correct. I agree with you. As the I. Uh
13: another quick one. I someone called in and told me they were going to say this, but I think they dropped off, so correct me if I'm wrong. Uh the NFL overtime rule, everyone kinda of has quick uh ways that they want to fix it. My solution, I think they've inched closer to a solution. A few years ago, you know, that Chiefs Bills game in the playoffs are now only in the playoffs, both teams have to have the ball, even if it's a touchdown in the regular season, you can still win on a touchdown. I think college overtime, that format has it correct. In the NFL, I would start it at the 50 or something along those lines, but I kind of like the baseball top and bottom thing better than anything the NFL's ever had in an overtime.
1: Now, I'm not as motivated to change overtime as everybody else. I think Uh, it's perfect. Nor am I. No, I'm with you, Jody. All right.
13: And then a few quick other ones. Uh, I always thought the play clock in the NFL was poorly uh, enforced. There should be a buzzer in every NFL stadium to enforce that better. Uh, I'm in favor of the electronic strike zone. I think if you're going to have it on screen on TV, I think we kind of blew it out of the water. Everyone can see when a pitch is outside or in the zone. Uh, And then the last thing with baseball is the schedule. I. The series with the Atlanta Braves, it should not take this long for the Phillies to, like, get a a divisional opponent on the road. Uh, I know some people like that they're playing every team this year. Uh, I actually miss the fact that they haven't gone to Atlanta yet or they haven't gone to New York until this week.
0: Not a rule change, but a legitimate gripe.
13: I guess if I was commissioner, it's something I would change. It is the way we framed it. Um, And that brings me to uh, my second thing that we forgot to talk about. And this was a stat uh, courtesy of Corey Seidman. He tweeted it from NBC Sports Philadelphia yesterday that I would not have necessarily known off the top of my head. So including last year's division series, uh, the Phillies and Braves in their last now 77 games, the Phillies actually have a winning record against them, 39-38. and 38. It feels like they get killed every time they go down there. But dating back to the final series of 2018, the Phillies have actually, by a game now, gotten the better end of the Braves. I don't know if I'm the only one who like, wouldn't have believed that until I read it.
0: Well, I remember last year, didn't they start off really? No, they got crushed against them. I don't know. Uh, but would you say thirty nine thirty eight? They're
13: now thirty-nine and thirty eight in their last seventy seven against well, Atlanta.
0: You, you gotta win today then to stay above Exactly 500. to stay above exactly. five hundred. There you go. Uh, so <laughs> Dylan Covey, no pressure.
13: No, no pressure at all. Uh we were talking about the you know, the heat might blow this three oh lead. Uh Vegas is halfway to blowing it too, by the way. They were up three oh and Dallas has now made it three two. Do we have any thoughts on this series?
0: Well we we actually did talk about that we a did. little bit earlier. We, or, did. Yeah. we did. that's 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 fine. We did um I don't. I don't give Dallas the same chance as the Sixers. But I'm. I'm amazingly a, a sentence I've never said in my life, Jody. I am rooting for Dallas.
1: Dow. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I've never heard you say that ever, ever yeah. in uh, any facet of life, high. at any, yeah. at any time. You've never said I'm rooting for Dallas. I've never no. heard you utter those words.
13: And no. my, my final thing is a little throwback to Burnergate with the Sixers. Did you guys see Eric Lewis, NBA official, uh, yeah. accused of having a burner? And the NBA has another burner gate on their hands. Right. But they
1: haven't said what was on the burner. They just said he had a burner Twitter account. Well, is there anything that affects it? Uh, is he putting out uh, uh, any uh, pornography? I, I, until I know what's on the burner account, I'm not going to come down on the guy. Oh, my God, the NBA is
0: falling apart at the seams. There you go. Because porno would be entirely acceptable. Correct. Uh, Jody, a pleasure as always. Uh, I will talk to you soon. I Dan think Wilson. next Sunday, right? Uh, Philly, are we, Son, we on next Oregon? Sunday? I, I forget. It, I, I don't. I think where. you and I next Sunday. Okay. Yeah. By the Philly's way,
13: Phillies are in DC. You should be.
0: Then we yep. will be together next Sunday. There we go. We we don't work the, uh, home home Philly Sundays. Take off. Uh, Al Morgani, Rob Ellis coming up. Stay tuned for those guys. See you next week on ninety four WIP.